Yeah, hey, we're live. Yeah, hear you great. Tight. What's up, dude? How's Tahoe? I'm sitting here in the dark. I kind of like this. Um, I'm sitting by these windows, and the sun's just starting to come up. So, like, as we go through the podcast, my lighting will change. Nice. I'll become either uglier or more beautiful, but I will I be the same. I live in third world North Carolina, so my lighting is – I got this <laughs> shitty room lamp plugged in behind me. <laughs> Why are you saying that? Because you don't want anyone moving there? You know it's the greatest place in the United States right now, and you don't want anyone moving there? <laughs> uh, it's, it's pretty good. It's pretty Dude, good. I'm in I, – go ahead. Hate me, people. I don't care. I mean, I don't want you to hate me, but here we go anyway. Uh, we, I, I'm in Lake Tahoe. It's like it's got to be one of the most beautiful places on planet Earth. It is absolutely nuts, and there's there's so much forest, there's so much lake. There's it's just I think it it might be the deepest and largest freshwater lake in the United States. Anyway, if you dump it out, it covers California with like twelve inches of water or something. That was some stat I heard as a little boy that I really liked. And uh, you go into it, you the the it's. You go into a Safeway here, and and every like you're with 600 people who have their faces covered with masks wow. on. I'm like, dude, we're in the we're in the, we're in the mountains. Chill, everyone, chill. <laughs> and we all got it already. Everyone I know got it, dude. Yeah, all 10,000 people I know got the Omnicon. It's chill. If we all have it, we can all take <laughs> off our masks. <laughs> so weird. Oh, uh, that's funny. I actually went to Lake Tahoe when I was a really really young kid. Yeah, I, I just don't see a North Carolina boy like you um, showing. What were you doing here? We were skiing. Oh, yeah, falling. I, I have a little trouble breathing here. Believe it or not, the elevate. I think we're at six thousand feet, and I feel it. <coughs> I didn't remember that as a kid. I just remember <coughs> being like forced into ski school. Did you ever? Did you ski growing up? I did a lot. Did your parents ever put you in ski school? No. Oh, just. Dude. I have like, my parents are like Armenian immigrants. You know what I mean? Here's your skis. Here's your ski pass. Go. (laughs) They can't even believe they're probably so proud that they were able to, they they were raised in homes that didn't have indoor bathrooms. And now they're taking their kids skiing. You know what I mean? They're like, that's enough. That's funny. I I fucking hated ski school. Really? Dude, it was the worst. Well, I just wanted to go with my parents. I wanted to ski with my parents and they would stick me in the ski school and you're stuck with all the little fucking kids and you can't. They don't let you do shit other than go on the bunny slope. I, I don't know a lot about skiing, but I used to ski a lot. And it, it skiing's a trip as a kid because a seven-year-old, you can take him skiing for well, for me and my family. And I wasn't athletic at all. You could take me skiing within two ski trips. I could ski every black diamond slope at Squaw Valley. I mean, not good, but like I was fearless. Like, all right, let's do it. Yeah. That's, <laughs> you know, just, just snow plow off a cliff. Just like, exactly, you, know, you don't dude, give yeah. a shit. That's exactly what happened to me. I would, they would stick me in ski school and I would freak out. Like I was, I was, I lashed out so much as a little kid. I was such a little, you know, scream until I get what I wanted. And so my dad was like, fuck it. Then you're just going to come ski with me. And so he would take me to the black diamond and I would sit in between my skis and ride down the black diamond on my ass with my skis on like either side. But do you, th- do you think it's okay to prejudice? I said something about a child the other day um, who, who had red hair. I was talking about him, not saying nice things. And someone goes, hey, dude, that's the way all redheads are. And it was another redhead. I'm like, what are you talking about? He said redheaded kids are just gnarly. And I, was like, I don't know. Well, I'm, mm. that's, that's, I mean, that's pretty racist. But I, <laughs> but I was okay with it. I, I mean, I wasn't judging the person. I was like, all right, let me hear. Let me hear your thoughts. 
I don't know. I mean, man, I was, I was gnarly. So, I guess, <laughs> but my sister wasn't. So I don't. My sister's a redhead too. She wasn't really gnarly at all. Yeah, so maybe I, I, I had a girlfriend in um in high school who had red hair, and she was like the nicest person I know. And now my wife has red hair, and she's taking that mantle as the nicest person I know. My girlfriend you, has red hair. Same but thing. you're also pretty nice, and you have red hair. But you, but you come from a, uh, you were a thorny branch. Exactly. Thorny branch would probably be a little bit of an understatement. Um, I, this has nothing to do with the interview. I just um, I, a bunch of people this morning sent me an article that was in the morning chalk up about Noble and about the athletes not making money off the shirts, and it's this kind of stuff that really needs contextualizing. It's really an unfair article. It's it's really horrible. I, I want to say this with all sincerity to all the athletes and everyone in the ecosystem. Do not try to get other people's shit. If you and contextualize everything, this is not a career, not for a single one of you. Mm -hmm. This is an opportunity. Colton Mertens, the opportunity is to build the Colton Mertens brand and to maybe change some other people's lives. There was the Rob Orlando before him. There was the Dan Bailey's. These are people who never won the games. This is Josh Bridges. This is, um, you know, Katie Henniger did win the games. Uh, Miranda Alcarez did not win the games. I don't even know if she ever made it as an individual. This is an opportunity. The guy who invented the um, RX bar, this is not a career. If you, you, just to put one thing in context really quick, a couple things. If, if I told you there's a million people in jail in the United States, you have to immediately go, okay, there's 300 million people who live here. So that means one in every 300 people is in jail. And then you have to go outside and you have to be like, okay, my freshman class, when you go to high school that day is 300 people. One of us is going to jail. You, if you do not think like that, you have no fucking clue what's going on. So to mention that the athletes should be getting money from Noble for shirts to be sold is fucking nuts without contextualizing it. So let me give you an example. If they make $10 profit off of every shirt, and they spent $5 million to get into the space, insurance for their employees, money they have to pay for CrossFit to be the official fucking clothing line, all that. That means they have to sell 500,000 shirts just to break even. That's 50,000 shirts per, or 50 shirts per affiliate. Only 30,000 people at most show up to the games. And now you as an athlete or anyone instead of befriending these people and working synergistically with them you are participating in complaining that they're not giving you money by another parasitic organization do you know why the morning chalk up doesn't give people money for their um, videos when they interview people like taylor self because and i and i hate to say this because those fucking guys over there are working their ass off and not making shit. You know what Justin LaFranco's exit plan is already with Morning Chalk Up. That thing's never going to make a dime. He just wants to sell it and move on to the next thing. I'm not going to share a fucking dime with Taylor from the $100 I make from this podcast. Because I'm going <laughs> to use that to spend on my kids. But nothing is more valuable to me than the one hour or two hours I'm going to spend with Taylor now that I would rather be spending with my kids. I'm contextualizing it with for you guys. Stop complaining. Do zero complaining in regards to like getting a piece of the pie. Do you. Do you. Make yourself like you don't have to win the games to add crazy value to this ecosystem and be someone special in it. And, and sure as hell, don't be trying to peel money off of Noble. Those guys are taking an enormous fucking risk by getting in this space. Everyone is. <sighs> what do you think about Monster sponsoring those guys? 
I'm stoked. Yeah, that's awesome. Fucking get your money. Yeah, a ton of it. Don't let them tell you. Don't let them tell you. Here's the thing. I just, me personally, the reason why I'm the happiest man that anyone's ever met is because no one, I can say whatever I want. (laughs) There's a freedom there that's like, and I get it. Other people, like so many other people can't, they don't even realize they can't. And maybe if Monster sponsored me, I would start to feel the pressure too. But um, just, it's like when they spawn, and that's another reason it's a huge mistake getting rid of Dave. Dave's the only person at HQ who could have massaged that so it was okay. And he posted it on his Instagram. He said, um, uh, hey, we're not doing the um, the sugar drinks. And Monster's moving to just non-sugar drinks. And although I don't buy that shit, I appreciate it that Dave faced it head on. And if these, if these athletes are still allowed to say, Hey, I don't drink monster, but I really appreciate their sponsorship. If that, then I'm all for it. Fucking let Marlboro sponsor you as long as they're not going to censor your mouth. And that's the problem. 99% of the people in the space are bought from morning chalk up to Craig Ritchie to, 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 to some people who are like my close friends, like they're peddling you shit and they can't tell you the truth of how they feel. I get it. That like they're, they're looking for that balance. Right. I mean, you know what? Who was that soccer player who took the coke down and, and said agua? Was that Cristiano Ronaldo? Yeah, he can yeah. do. That's how rich he is. Yeah, be <laughs> but nice. if but if you did that, you're toast. <laughs> Man, is it naive to hope or to want or even think to believe that it would be possible to make some sort of amount of money in the space without being pressured or forced into just following the narrative that everyone else follows? Dude, look at Danielle Brandon. Yeah. Danielle, don't hate, don't hate me for this at all. She fucking comes on my podcast, says she don't trust anyone. She talks about how she's not taking the fucking vaccine, bam, right on her fucking Instagram. She's fucking, she gets on the, she gets in the fuck, and, and dude, we are not created equal. I'm not saying this is, everyone can do this. Yeah. This fucking chick is, is, has her own being. Don't try to follow her shit. She gets in the fucking stadium in Madison at this wholesome CrossFit event and fucking double birds these motherfuckers, the whole stadium for no reason. Awesome. <laughs> this fucking chick competes with the fucking COVID. Yeah, that's funny. And uh, you know what? And everyone wants from fucking the grandmas to the fucking little boys. Everyone just wants to cuddle with her. Yeah. And 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 she's, um, I mean, she's everything. She's a fucking thunder thigh, hot thunder thighs, fucking pole vaulting, fucking just badass. Just. And so yeah, I think I think you can do it. I think that's actually that's actually where the most success is to not be like authentic. Hello, here's my here's my pro. I mean, it's where the happiness is. Here's my protein powder. I'm a good dude. Here, let me sign your kids back. I I, I just if that's who you are, like that's more. I, I I do believe that like that's Noah Olson. I believe Noah Olson is a fucking amazing. I believe he's living his authentic self. Yeah. Um. But if that's not like that's not me, and so like. But that's who people want. That's how, you know, everyone wants um, someone with clean feet. I don't have clean feet. I walk around barefoot. <laughs> I don't mind crumbs in the bed. Do you, do you ever have sand or crumbs in your bed? Dude, I fucking hate that. If yeah, that happens, if okay that happens to it. my bed, I have to take the covers <laughs> off and <laughs> wipe it off, dude. No way. Where were you born, Taylor? I was born in Fairfax, Virginia. So it's right outside of D.C. It's Northern Virginia. Pretty Is that- super. Super what? Wealthy. It's a very wealthy area. It is. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, is that where all the uh, is do it, the politicians go there? Um, like is that where they live? Since DC's a shithole. 
Yeah, I think a lot of politicians live there. It's also like a lot of, like a lot of like bullets uh, are there. Like probably like ten, like a ten minute walk from the house I grew up in. Is Saudi Arabia just no? Yeah, Saudi Arabia just built this consulate like right down the street. It's fucking insane. It's huge. And is is that like acres? It's like acres, and it's in an area where like there shouldn't be acres available to like, you know what I mean? Yes. So you're in like the shopping center and there's all this like Middle Eastern oil money, these crazy fucking cars. And I, it wasn't like that when I was really young, but it's like that now. Um, my parents moved there from the middle of nowhere, South Carolina. That's where they were born and from. Not all of DC is a shithole. Look at California. See, that's not necessary. I apologize for DC being all a shithole, but you don't need to tell me to look at it. I'm looking out the window at Lake Tahoe. I'm in California, most beautiful place in the world. California is a shithole. <laughs> Man, it's been ruined. Dude, uh, so were you born with money? Um, my parents are pretty middle class. Um, they weren't born with money. They were, they were both like super poor growing up. Um, both of them got scholarships to schools in Virginia, and that's kind of what precipitated the move there and, and why I grew up there. Um, are, are they athletes, your parents? My dad played football in college. My mom did not. She got an academic scholarship to UVA. Are they Are they still married? My dad died when I was younger. So no. no shit? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. I wish I wouldn't have asked that. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey. Uh, That's yeah, funny. <laughs> thank you thank you one of my best perform one of my most sincere moments um so your parent so your mom raised you no they so they both well my dad was like an alcoholic so i grew up he died when i was 16 so i was oh raised. shit that's not you're that's not young well when i was younger i think is yeah. the word i said specifically okay um, okay well then that joke really wasn't funny i was picturing like my wife's dad died when she was one so you can oh, make okay, all okay. sorts of jokes because they don't um, have a nerve. You can make as many dead dad jokes as you okay, want. Okay, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> I'm thick skin in that. But yeah, so I got I was raised by both of them. Um, but probably being, you know, growing up that alcoholic family probably shaped a lot of the way I grew up, a lot of the character defects I grew up with, I would say. Do you um do you think your dad knew he was an alcoholic? Oh, for sure. Well he got he was he got sober three years before he died. Um, oh shit. And then my grand, you know, I come from a long line of that. Like my great grandfather actually went out. I actually just learned this maybe a few years ago, um, but I, I knew he would, he died in the hospital, my great grandfather, but he actually like, they put him in uh, a sanitarium to like detox off alcohol, like back before they knew like what delirium tremens and shit did to you. And so they put him, you put him in a straight jacket or they would, that was a common practice and he fucking died from delirium tremens serious yeah isn't that crazy <laughs> See, i always thought that that was bullshit he died no. from alcohol withdrawals oh yeah he fucking for sure died it's, you can only die from detoxing from two things alcohol and benzo benzodiazepines what's benzo like xanax oh or klonopin ativan shit like that like you can't so you're not gonna die from withdrawing from heroin or any opiate or crack did you ever do nicotine yes um, what what kind of nicotine did you do? Did you do a chew or smoke or both? I smoked. I, st I started smoking in elementary school, <laughs> so I oh, smoked. Shit. Yeah, I was like a sixth grader, so I I would steal it from my dad. He would he would buy like fucking three cartons, 
and stick it in his computer desk. And it was just, and you would so, tax it a pack. You would tax oh, him a pack. Yeah, dude. <laughs> exactly. Tax him a pack. These fucking Marlboro lights I always smoke in my attic. Um, so those, and then, and then I switched to dip <coughs> at some point and did that through a lot of my sobriety before I started CrossFit. I want to come back to dip. Some things don't matter relative people. Don't be confused. Like if you're seven feet tall and you have a seven inch penis or you're four foot five and you have a seven inch penis, it's still just a great seven inch penis. That that's not where relativity matters. Do you understand? Like you have to think for yourself like relativity. Um, it does matter if you open a box in downtown Manhattan, you fucking complainers who rip on affiliates who charge $200 a month. You don't even think for a second that the rent there is $25,000 a month. $50,000 a month and that your box owner can't even fucking make $100,000 a year where the poverty line in Manhattan is $200,000 or less. And you're complaining. I, 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 I want to put you in a rocket ship and just send you to Pluto. You're, you're the misery of this planet. And, and, and you just leave other people alone. Get yours. Be a good person. Get okay. Um, nicotine is a, uh, it's the hardest I, thing to quit. I think. Yeah. I chewed for six months and um, quitting was a trip. I got the tr crazy tremors. Really? Like I was shaking and twitching and I was a mess. My vision was all blurry. And I smoked cigarettes for a long time. I did. Yeah. Smoking. Well, I didn't actually quit. Well, I, I switched to dip. So I didn't like quit nicotine when I quit smoking. But when I quit dip, I didn't, ex I quit cold turkey two times. Neither time did I experience like that initial withdrawal. And I dipped a lot, but it was really, you didn't get like blurry vision and like twitching in bed at night and fucking crazy dreams. And no, I experienced a lot of like agitation though. Like I was just extremely fucking on edge. Um, but the hard, yeah, because part... it's a coping mechanism, right? You, oh, yeah. you always put a chew in like, you're like someone cut you off, put a chew in. Oh, you're waiting somewhere. Put a chew. In. I mean, it's just like, it's just becomes yeah. your coping mechanism yeah, for, for everything. everything. <laughs> yeah. And then, Really, I feel like the hardest part is down the road, like six months, a year, two years later, you just get like this random craving. Initially, I was like, man, I was so in it. I was like, I don't, I'm not going to do it. I don't, I can't dip. And then six months later, you're like, damn, it would feel really good. That's the only thing I still have like a strong desire to do every now and then is dip. Weird. Um, I, nicotine's one of the greatest drugs on the planet and I, I really love it. And, but I would, I, the thing you need to know anyone who hasn't done it, you have to know this, that you're – maybe this is what people mean by selling your soul. But once you do nicotine, you'll end up – and Taylor just described it perfectly. You, The most valuable thing you have is your headspace, thoughts. And so once you do nicotine, then it can get caught in there for a long time. And for the next five years, once a week, you'll think about it. And it's like no one tells you that that – like they're like, it's bad for you. It's this, it's that. But the truth is, is that it gets stuck in your head. Yeah. It's kind of like when you go through puberty and girls get stuck in your head. It's like you need, it, um, you don't want to ever give up real estate in your head. So that's why you shouldn't ever do nicotine. But man, it's awesome, right? For that's a good way of putting it, but it's also, it will fucking kill you. Yeah. Yeah. Cancer. I forgot about that. I forgot about that. I forgot about that. But the headspace thing, that's an interesting take I've never thought of. But yeah, I'll be in the car and I'll just be like, damn, it would be really nice to have a dip in. Like I'm on, on a road trip or something. So you're born in Fairfax and do you have siblings? Yeah, I have an older sister. So I grew up I grew up kind of through this lens, at least the way I viewed it as a kid was like 
I felt like I never got the love and affection from my dad that I wanted. I think probably in part because he was an alcoholic, mainly in part because he was an alcoholic. Um, and I had this warped perception that he had given it all to my sister, that my sister got all the attention or, you know, all the love and I didn't get any of that. Um, which in reality is probably just not true, but she's a very high achieving person. It was easy to kind of create this story and narrative jealousy towards her. How much older is she? Six years older, um, five years older. Oh, so she's significantly older. Mm -hmm. Like you didn't play with her. No, she beat the shit out of me. I would fucking annoy her. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would fucking crush her. I, one time she was like playing this recorder. This is a good story in our living room. You know that shitty like elementary school instrument? The yes, plastic yes, recorder. Yes, so she's yes. in the living room. I bought room. those for my kids and they end up being weapons. Yeah. So yeah, I was in my sister. She was in the living room like just blowing on that thing. Like one stupid note. Not even playing it. Just being fucking annoying. So I ran in there and I kicked, like I high kicked it. And it chipped her tooth and she's like crying and freaking out. And she's probably like 11 and I'm like five. And, and you lost your virginity via recorder. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude. Well, I mean, she didn't use a recorder, but she ran in the, I was like in the kitchen hiding. She ran in there and just hit me one time and knocked me out. Just, wow. Yeah. Knocked me the fuck out. Is that the first time you were ever knocked out? Yeah. And, and I haven't been knocked out a lot of times, but a few times. That was the first time for sure. I got, I got jumped in high school Me too. Um, and, and got knocked out. I think that I, I want to say the dude, it was a gang of dudes, but I'm pretty sure, I mean, it was a gang of dudes, but I'm pretty sure it was just one giant dude. And he just punched me in the face. I thought there were dudes fighting. I was walking down a sidewalk and it was late at night. And I said, you want to fight motherfucker? And I'm like, Oh shit, I'm going to get to watch a fight. And I turn around and some dude just punched me in the face. And I, I woke, up, I woke up in the bushes spitting out teeth. That's fucked up. I was never, I've never been knocked out from a punch other than that time, but I've been like choked out. Like playing around with friends? Um, yeah, but also like not playing around, just got choked out. Really? Yeah. We, I had a brutal locker room when I grew in high school. <laughs> For what, uh, what sport? Baseball, believe it or not. I wrestled too, and I never got choked out wrestling or in a wrestling locker room. But in the baseball locker room, there was just this one dude who was a fucking savage bully. Just choked me out one time. Why did you do sports? Did, did your dad encourage that? Yeah, it felt like mandatory, especially baseball. So I started baseball when I was like four. Um, and then I wanted I played football a couple of years. I wrestled, played basketball, but baseball was the one I played my whole life. Um, so like your parents like put you in the in the station wagon. At four years old, drove you to T-ball. Your dad sits out there. He's drinking in a, like a paper cup watching you play. Deer Park water bottle. Yeah, vodka. <laughs> I actually I was walking to the dugout one time, and this other coach is like sitting on like the tailgate of his truck, like putting his like cleats on. And he's like, my dad's middle name was Middleton's. So they called him Mid. And so he was like, what's it, what you got in the bottle, Mid Vodka? And I was like, I was like 10. So I had no idea what that was, but I remember that vividly. Wow. Yeah, so this other guy just making a joke at him. That's kind of how bad of an alcoholic he was, just everyone knew. And what was his day job? He worked as – he ran the night vision lab at Fort Belvoir, Army Base. Uh, um, night vision lab, meaning like binoculars they, and shit that could see bad guys in the dark? Yeah, where they develop like weapon systems and all that shit. So he was extremely smart. Probably one of the smartest people I've ever been around. Was he nice to you? 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, he was. I mean, there were did bouts. He whoop, of, did he whoop you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. There were. I mean, it was probably not that you know unique of a situation. He was a pretty normal, I would say, dad in terms of you know your punishments, your treatment, just kind of with the added alcoholism and stuff. Um, uh, did your parents get divorced before he passed away? No, they got separated though. Um, I think I was like, I was probably 13 and I remember my mom saying like, have like sitting us down and having like a talk with us that like, if you and your sister, yeah, that if dad came home drunk again, that she was going to kick him out and she just couldn't do it anymore. He comes home fucking hammered one night. And like, I remember this clearly cause my mom was crying and my dad was like fucked up laying on the couch crying because he knew that like, damn, like I'm getting kicked out now. And, uh, and I hated my mom for it. Cause at that age, like at the younger age, I was, I was, you know, I love my dad. All I wanted was his attention and his like approval and all that. So I remember I fucking hated my mom so much for kicking him out. And I, I remember going with him to help him move in. What a trip, life. right? What yeah. a fucking trip. Oh yeah. I hated her guts like, like more than anything in the world. And I remember going with him with my best friend at the time, Caleb, um, to move him into this like basement that he had found on Craigslist, dude, it was, it was such a shithole. It was in Prince, Prince William County. Disgusting in the parking lot. There's like, I remember carrying this dresser with my buddy Caleb into this basement and like walking through the parking lot of this apartment complex or this townhouse complex of this basement he's moving into. And there's this fucking used condom in the parking space. And we're like 13 year old boys. The first time I'd ever seen something like that. It was just disgusting. I was, I, 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 every time I see a condom, I spin a narrative around it. <laughs> ah, I wonder how that got there. Mm. And then I look, is it loaded? Is it empty? Mm. Is it empty? Was these kids playing with making water balloons or is this a real one? Uh, <laughs> look, someone gave me $10 because you're a good dude. Wad zombie. He sent me some stickers. He's the man. Look at this dude, Eric. Why sent me ten dollars? Because you're a good dude, man. I love hanging out with good dudes. You're making it rain money in my in my hood. Um, did you ever say sorry to your mom for that? Oh yeah, we have. Like, a- are you like, holy shit? Thank you for kicking the fucking drunk out, and I, I, I had it all ass backwards. I was thirteen. Yeah, for sure. Um, I've said that exactly to her. Um, we have an amazing relationship today, but it was not that way for the longest time. I mean, we had the worst. I hated her so much for um, that, for that. And then just for being the voice of reason I never wanted to hear or like the person trying to discipline me, you know, after my dad died, it was fucking her. I mean, God, could you imagine that having a did, fucking, did uh, you real, blame her for that? No, I blamed oh. myself a lot for that. I mean, I, yeah, I blame myself a lot for that. It's um, crazy. How did he pass? He died of cancer. Cancer, what, alcoholism, kind of. What what kind of cancer? Lung cancer. He had lung cancer, and then it it moved to his liver. Noted, he was a smoker and a drinker. So, but he had quit. But he had quit drinking for three years. He had quit drinking for three years. But when you drink fucking probably a half gallon of vodka a day, it doesn't really. You're forty, forty or fifty. You're forty five or fifty. You're fucking done. And then did he, did he, and he smoked the whole time, like from when you were a little kid to when he died, he smoked the whole time? Yeah. Yeah. He died with a cigarette. <laughs> no shit. And how old was he? 
This was 2011. He was born 50 on the dot. Oh God, that's next year for me. You don't smoke though. You're good, man. No. You do CrossFit. Yeah, I drink a shitload of coffee though. <laughs> hey, um, how long was he dying for? Uh man, it wasn't. It was maybe two years he had been diagnosed. So, but and that was kind of like also in the heart of when I was getting fucked up a lot. Like I had found, you know, I had found some drugs and alcohol, and I was just so I was pretty oblivious to like kind of the change or the you know the events leading up to it. But it was, it did feel like it was pretty sudden. I remember actually that morning I was, I woke up, my mom was out of town and I was like, I was 16. I was like, yeah, I'm not, not feeling school today. So I go downstairs. I'm like, Hey dad, I'm feeling sick. So I'm just going to stay home. And he's like, all right. Oh, he had moved back into the house. Yeah, this was, so he, so my mom kicked him out. Then he got sober and then they moved back, he moved back in and their relationship got markedly better. Uh, what a raw fucking deal. He quits fucking drinking, but he still has, but he still gets sick. Yeah. Okay. I mean, he made the most of his last three years, I think. So you go downstairs, your mom's gone. You tell your dad, you're not feeling school. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to school. And he's like, all right. So I go back upstairs. I get some weed. I wake and bake. <clears throat> get high. As shit. Uh, with um, a bong or a pipe or papers, a Gatorade bottle. Oh, wow. So you breathe in some plastic too. Good on for you. sure. The BPA, yes. yeah, um, it gets you higher. Mel- um, melting plastic. <laughs> do you ever? Do you ever? Th- this is my only reg- my only regret in life is about is probably smoking. And the reason why is I wonder how much fucking gnarlier I'd be if my lungs had no damage. Really? What do you mean do gnarlier? I mean. Do you remember just sitting around with friends and being like, okay, I'm going to pack a gram. Let's see if I can take the whole thing down in one bong rip. And then, and then you don't. So then it's the other guy's turn. So then you get another turn and it's like that for 365 days a year for five years. And then you look back in hindsight and you're like, holy shit, I only breathed smoke for five years of my life through Gatorade bottles melting and fucking apples. And, and do you ever wonder like, holy shit, what damage did I do to that fucking those lungs. I don't actually. I've never actually had that. Okay. I have a don't let that get in your head then. Never mind. It won't. I have that. a great engine. I just <laughs> I destroy people in cardio, so I'm not worried about that. <laughs> uh, you do. How about that win at Wadapalooza? Was that dope? Yeah, that felt. I mean, it felt good. It felt good. But it would. It feels better to like do well in events that you work really hard on. Would you? Tra- would you trade that for five minutes of love from your dad? Sevon, unacceptable. Okay. No, that's a good question. It's <laughs> a, a, a fucking asshole question. Holy shit. I don't know. I would have to do some thinking on that. Six Five minutes. Five minutes? That's not a lot of time. Yeah. Oh. Did you did you like cold hands? Did you like when you were a kid if your mom put cold hands on you? Did I like that? Yeah. No. No. I my mom would put cold hands on me as a kid like if her hands were cold she put it up my shirt or on my forehead and I fucking loved it. And and two and I have three boys and one of my kids loves it and the other two don't. So so I gravitate to the one that likes it. <laughs> Cuz I love I just loved that feeling my mom putting a cold hand on me. It just made me feel so alive. Okay. Um uh so so you so you're 16 your mom's out of town and you go to and you and you so you wake and bake wake and now and bake. your dad like and was your dad later. sick at that? Like really sick? Like did he have like a shit in his nose? No, 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 no. He okay. never did. He never did any of that. He lost so much weight, which I didn't. 
I didn't realize until after the fact. Like, you look at pictures now, and it's fucking crazy. Crazy how much weight he lost. But I didn't notice any of that. So I wake and bake. Ten minutes later, he comes back up. He's like, hey, dude, you should probably go to school today. And typically, I would be like, fuck that. And there would be this huge argument. I'd fucking just walk out, go to my friend's house, whatever. But for whatever reason, I was like, all right. So I like get dressed. Um, the bus hadn't come yet. So I get on the bus, go to school. And I remember I'm sitting in class, the math class, um, with the same teacher I had had like two years ago for a different math. I was a junior and I was in algebra one, part one, which just meant you were fucking retarded basically. Like you, you had algebra one in one period and then algebra one, part one in another period. So there were like, were there like freshmen in your, like eighth graders from the junior high in in your class with you taking that shit? (laughs) No, no, there was just a bunch of other stupid kids. Um, I wasn't stupid. I just hated school. I didn't, I didn't put any effort into it, but anyway, so I'm sitting in this class and, uh, this administrator, it's like, it's like third period maybe. So it's like 11 in the morning. And this administrator comes in. He's like, hey, Taylor, I need you to come with me to the office. So I'm thinking, fuck. I think I actually like fucking slammed my agenda closed. I'm like, fuck. Like what they found I- a bottle in your locker or something? Yeah, yeah. Like, like alcohol a, or something? Like yeah. I'm in trouble. I did something. I called somebody something fucked up and they told me, told, told on me or whatever. Um, <laughs> so I remember walking down the hallway. I remember this so vividly. This administrator, his name's Dan Ebelings, walking in front of me. He's like, it was such a weird walk because he's like 10 feet ahead of me. He won't look back, and I keep asking the entire walk down the hallway, can you just tell me what I did? I'm trying to, like, craft this, you know, excuse story or the lie that I need to tell to, like, get out of trouble. <laughs> hey, you know that dude doesn't forget this day either. There's no way, yeah. He he remembers this day the rest of his life, too. For sure, I would imagine. I mean, it's probably not very common you have to do that in his job. Anyway, so I'm walking behind him. I'm like, can you just tell me what I did? Um, and I, I must have asked him that like 10 times on this walk to the principal's office <sighs> and it's fucked up. He opens the fucking door to the main office and my grandmother who was in town with my dad, my dad's mom is just standing there crying saying he's gone and I just fucking lose it. Um, and I remember hugging her and crying my eyes out and you know, as I'm like really starting beginning to cry really really hard like fucked up crying the bell rings and like class lets out and all these kids are walking by and the door still opens the main office and everyone i feel like everyone's staring at me crying my eyes out and i'm like man i i just i can't even articulate like what's going through my head part of it's like i can't believe this is happening right now part of it's like fear of what everyone's gonna think walking past me seeing this kid crying his eyes out in the office So we go home and like when I get home, my dad's still fucking dead body um, on the side porch of our house. And the ambulance is like, come like taking him away. And you saw him, you saw him. Yeah. On the stretcher covered. Um, And then on the side porch, there's like this huge fucking pile of green mucus, I guess from his lungs or whatever. I don't know. Um, And like cleaning that up just, Oh, yeah, it was fucked up. And I just, from then on, like that, that gave me like a great excuse to, you know, just oh. become as much of a fuck up as I wanted to. You know what I mean? I dropped, I, I like 
didn't go back to school for a, a couple weeks. I tried to go back one day and I went back so fucked up. Like I was drunk. Like drunk? Yeah. Oh yeah, drunk high. And like I like bumped into this kid in the hallway. Um and definitely probably called him some fucking slur or whatever. And <laughs> he just beats the shit out of me. Like beats the fucking shit out of me. And you I don't know. even care? <laughs> I mean, I like tried to fight back, but dude, my face looked like hamburger meat. Like he fucked me up. Um, and so after that happened, I was like, "There's no way I'm going back to school to face anybody who would, you know, witness that." So I like fully drop out, and then boom, just. Did you have friends? Did you have a crew? By the way, that um, I don't feel uh, uncomfortable very often. Um, like really, never. That story with your dad's gnarly. It's gnarly that you saw him in the morning. Yeah. Like, did you have any inkling that, like, he was going to pass away that day? No. He looked fucking normal, at least normal in the way I had thought he was normal. Yeah, the way you tell the stories, I, I picture him. He, he had to walk up a flight of stairs. Like, my feeling is, is, like, the day you die, you can't walk up a flight oh. of stairs. No, he seemed completely normal to me. <clears throat> um, any, ch- any chance he may have killed himself? Well, I've never thought of that. I don't, I don't see how he how. Right. You know? I don't see how he would have. You know, I don't think he wasn't. I don't think hey, but after this podcast, you can you can just you can just hey mom, what's up? I just did podcast and this asshole asked me if dad killed himself. I just gotta check that off the list. No, I don't think he did. He wasn't on any medication where I think you like probably could have. I mean, I, I don't know. I highly doubt it. They said it was like a you know heart failure or whatever, liver failure, or just fucking cancer or whatever. Crushed. Hey d- hey dude, someday you're gonna have kids and you're gonna trip. Oh, I can't even say it. You're going to fucking trip that your dad had to leave you. You're going to feel so bad for him. That's the worst. The thought of having to leave your kids. Yeah. I can't it's imagine what he would. Nuts. He, he was such a different dude too. When he got sober, like he would, you know, we just had more like, like one time I remember me and my mom getting this huge argument and him just like, you know, I never saw this. The only time I ever saw him cry. And he like, just walks up to me, starts crying. He's like, Hey dude, we got to be a family. I was like, damn. All right. And then like a couple hours later, I'm like stealing money to go get fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <laughs> How old are you? Right now? Uh-huh. 26. Yeah. And you have a girlfriend? She's great. I, I say so much fucked up shit on the show. I don't even know what these people are talking about. Geez, Sevon. What the fuck, Sevon? I'm not even sure exactly which asshole comment they're talking about. I've heard, I've heard. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what, which one. I make uh, my own dead dad jokes and shit like that. So I, I mean, it's, you know, you go through something hard in life and it just, it's easier to live with if you can find a little humor in it and not take it so seriously. I was a nanny for two boys. I was a nanny when I was 18 years old, by the way, no one, I, I was a fucking great nanny, but no one should ever let their dudes watch. You should never leave your, <laughs> If you have kids, don't leave your kids alone with dudes. Yeah, I'm sexist as fuck. Don't leave it. Dudes are, but but I was a great nanny. And I was a nanny for these two boys. And their parents were, uh, they were in the clothing business. And they were, they were, they were really wealthy. And, and they were uh, like Hong Kong nationals. They were born in Hong Kong. They were Chinese and, and super traditional Chinese family. My sister got me the, the gig. She knew the family through a daycare she worked at. And like every day I would get out of city college and I'd go pick these kids up from school and I'd take them home and I'd rage with them, right? And I just like, 
I, I wonder what they think of me now. But we partied hard. Like they were this super strict traditional Chinese family, but I would do crazy, like go in their backyard and throw rocks as hard as we could, play <laughs> super loud music in my car. I rage with them. I always play these games with them where I beat them with pillows. They lo- until they started crying. They love that shit. They would always That's ask fine. for more. And um, one day the lady comes home and she tells me she has breast cancer. And I was 18. And I just had a fucking million fucking questions. I think that's the day I was born as an interviewer. That's, that's the day I was. And I remember being like, what's that? And like, do you die from it? And I started asking her all these questions and she really appreciated it. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, and I remember all the questions being uncomfortable, but I couldn't stop them from coming out. I mean, I could have, I just didn't like, it just seemed like I should ask this. not, and, and you know, not like the, everyone else I knew the traditional route was just to be like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Yeah. That's and I was like, I, I don't think I'm doing that. I'm going that way. And, uh, and I remember telling my mom that, and my mom gave me an attaboy and I, and I stayed there like for two hours talking to her about what breast cancer is and how she was going to address it and how she was going to try to fix it. And all this. she ended up having a, What's it called when you have your breast removed? Is that a vasectomy? I don't remember what it is. Do you know what it's called? No, vasectomy is when they cut the tube, bro. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Your dick. Yeah, someone, some, right, right, right. Thank you. What's it called? Some, someone will tell me in the, uh, no, I, but, but anyway, that sucked. I felt so bad for her, <laughs> but she, but she was, but, but yeah. Um, oh, guys, yeah, on a good note, there's like 80,000 trucks, um, traveling to uh, yeah that's awesome i'm gonna have um cedric lapointe on on friday what is that what do you what do you mean eighty thousand trucks heading to ottawa to end the mandate so they got this fucking this fucking guy this leader of canada has completely lost his mind this guy trudeau i mean completely it's, it's almost time for another government to intervene and go get him i mean he's completely fucking lost his mind what he's doing to the canadian people and the and the, and the truckers in canada have had it so they're just trucks are just pouring into Ottawa. I think they're basically just going to shut the city down. They're going to circle the city with semis and shut it down. And this guy who owns a CrossFit gym, either there or en route to there, his gym has been closed, you know, basically for fucking two years. I'm going to have him on the podcast. Do you know him? He's a, he's a regional athlete. Cedric. Yeah, I've heard of Cedric. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think he was in the – I think I've had him on the show before, and I think he was in the uh, last chance qualifier. He was in the last chance. He heard his back. Right. Okay. And – so I just reached out to him the other day and I said, Hey, how's your training going or something? And he's like, Hey, I'm let, I, I'm, they're going to take me to jail. Cause I'm keeping my gym open. <laughs> like what? And he's like, yeah. And I'm letting the truckers on their way to Ottawa, spend the night in my gym and like take showers. I'm like, dude, you got to come on the podcast. He said, I'm game dude. Wow. That they're, 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 they're leaders. Yes. Good for them. That's fucking serious shit. And they're fuck that guy Trudeau. Yeah, he's a dude. They're ba- they're making they're making propaganda that's telling kids basically that anyone and and ki- and they're getting kids to repeat it that anyone who doesn't take the vaccine should go to jail. So like like they're basically you should never talk to anyone's kids. Just so you know, if you talk to my kids and I didn't like, I didn't accept it. Like you said something to them that I didn't like, I would beat you with a bat. Like, I don't care, like, if you're fucking Francis Ninganu, You're toast. Do not <laughs> fucking talk to my fucking kids about yeah. dumb shit. 
try to fucking indoctrinate my fucking kids. I don't fucking indoctrinate my kids. Do they go to public school? Your kids? No, fuck no. Really? I'm so no. scared about that. Like what I'm going to, I went, you'll never school. let your kids go to school by the time you have kids. You'll never let your kids school. Dude, public school idiots. is the best thing that ever happened to me, but I just feel like, <laughs> me too. I know, but seriously, <laughs> I, but I'm that way. Like I was able to experience such a huge broad spectrum of like where people come from. I mean, I grew up in one of the most diverse areas in the country. Uh, people, really was but listen i thought i grew up in one of the most diverse places on the planet too berkeley california it ends up that it's not it's actually the least diverse because everyone there thinks the same they're all mm -hmm. fucking tools they're all indoctrinated tools now i'd rather live somewhere that. with all fucking black people or all fucking white people or all fucking asian people where at least you can think differently that i mean it's it's crazy if my, you're a black dude was, in berkeley and yeah. you th and you're conservative you're fucked but that's the thing, dude. Berkeley, I feel like parts of California are yeah. so politicized. Where I grew up, like there was nothing political about my childhood until I'm turning like un – until really Obama. And then by that point in time, I'm probably 16. I mean when did Obama get elected? 08? So maybe a little younger. But that was <clears throat> I don't remember. But I grew up in that. Like everything was politics. Nothing was politics where I grew up. Yeah. I wasn't raised with like, hey, these these are this is what's going on. There's something called abortion and people get pregnant and then some people don't want the child and here's ways of mitigating that or is it killing the baby? I wasn't taught like how to thought. It was just like pro-choice. Yeah. Wow. How dare you do this to women? And if you even like you weren't even allowed to think for like, well, is the baby okay? If we get the fuck out of here. You know what I mean? It, it's crazy. it's bad in California. My my parents wouldn't even discuss who they were voting for with each other. Like my dad was wow. a firm believer, and like you're that you're you're right. Your vote, no one else's business. Very, I I'm come from a very like you know, I would say probably libertarian mindset, at least for my dad and my dad's side of the family. Just yeah. minimal government and your choice, stuff like that. The thing is, is in go. It's even that article that I was talking about in the morning chalk up. They, they that article is written to present to you how to think. It's mm -hmm. not a good way to raise your kids. It, it's like, hey, the, um, do you want a black shirt or a white shirt? And then refuse to let anyone else talk about yellow shirts, red shirts, or blue shirts. It's not fucking cool. Yeah, we're not even taught that in up. school. Like <laughs> they they say the word critical thinking all throughout school, but no one. I mean, as a kid, you're like, what the fuck is critical thinking? Yeah, just teaching it as this subject that they should assume you would know what it is, and it's obviously to question what you're hearing, to question authority, stuff like that. What you know, they don't teach you that. They're like critical thinking, and but listen to everything I say. It's true. Hey, even words like focus. Um, I remember being in my twenties, twenty three, twenty four, and um, it was the first time I had ever done, or maybe like it's like the third time I'd ever done MDMA. Um, and I realized what focus is. I was watching a seagull for like an hour fly around and I was like, holy shit for 23 years. I've heard people say, just focus, just focus. I'm like, I never even knew what the fuck that word meant. Yeah. Isn't it's crazy. Homeschool is illegal in Brazil. Wow. I don't know if that's, is that true? I, I bet you most kids don't even go to school in Brazil. Yeah, no shit. My picture of Brazil is they just, you're born, they give you a soccer ball and then you play in the favela. The favela. Yeah. <laughs> the favela. It's racist. Uh, um, so, uh, going back, so you're in Fairfax and is your, is your mom working full-time too? Yeah. She, yeah. She works so double income. Life's good. Yeah. Yeah. I Chris, didn't, I, Christmas tree presents under it. Yeah. I didn't want for anything really growing up. I was, I just, I, I feel like my story is one of self-inflicted hardship and adversity. 
you know, it, as a, as a drug addict typically is. And, and, and is the first drug you do, are you in, you said you would take packs from of cigarettes from your dad. How old were you? Did you say 13? Sixth grade. So 11, 11. Okay. And had you started drinking yet? That was, I had already drank one time before that. And I had started smoking weed at like 11. Wow. How do you get weed at 11? Dude, my best friend's brother was a drug dealer. Uh, we were going to his basement and he would have those fucking hefty black trash bags full of weed. I can't even express to you how cool that was. As yeah, no, a, I know. Eleven year old. Yes, yes. Dude, I'm like yeah. looking at my friend Caleb. I'm like, let's just fucking take a handful. He's like, no, we can't do that. He weighs it. And I was like, how's he gonna fucking notice? That? <laughs> it's huge, dude. There was this nug one time was like this fucking long in the shape of a dick. It literally looked like a pine cone. We're just like taking pictures of it, like we're giving it. It's just, yeah. He was uh, a. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, and. And do you, when the first time you smoke weed, do you even get high as a kid? Like I pretended to be high because my friend, my friend was, or mm-hmm. at least he said he was. He rolled the shittiest loose blunt ever. Like it was so, it was like falling apart as we're smoking it. Yeah, that's um, how you got to learn somewhere. And he was only eleven too. He was twelve a year older than me. Wow. Yeah, he lived with me for a while actually. I think when we were like fourteen to fifteen, maybe him and his mom lived with me. And in our family, how did they, that she, happen? She yeah, like lost her job or something, and his parents were divorced. Um, so like they moved in with us for like a year. How was that? Was that cool or shitty? Yeah, he was my best friend. I mean, the shittiest part about it was like he was a drug addict just like me, and he would just steal my weed. Like I would steal money from my parents, and I'm like, this is my fucking weed. I stole this fucking money, and then I would like come home from school because he went to an alternative school at that time already, and like all my shit would be gone. I'm like, dude, what the fuck? Hey, I, that it was like that for me in college too. I live with just so many fucking drug addicts. Literally like I would come home and there'd be dudes in my room smoking my shit or doing my shit. And like, no one even cared. (laughs) It would just be like, Oh, sorry. I'm just like, what? (laughs) 18 days in a row. Sorry. Oh, sorry. You know, I come home at two, like get the fuck out of my room. At least try to hide that shit. Yeah. He wouldn't even say, sorry. We just lie. He'd be like, dude, I don't know what you're talking about. I swear I didn't do it. Like we both smoked it last night. I was like, you know what? I'm a drug addict. I knew exactly how much I had, bro. Yeah, you're saving that little corner of the bag, right? Because you know you're gonna need it when you come home from wherever. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So when you start smoking at 11, do you basically smoke? How many years do you smoke straight for? I like took a. a, There was a one point where like I got into this DWI accident with my dad, and I was like, I can never end up like this. We were we're on my street. I remember because it was after football practice. We go to this a sports bar that he always goes to to pick up food, um, and he was just like feeding me quarters to play dude, that like deer hunter game. Dude, your dad would take you to a bar after practice football. Dude, practice? a sports bar. Yeah, it's called Neighbors Bar and Grill. And what so, would he order? Like chicken wings to bring home for the family? No, the shittiest cheeseburgers ever. And they would have like these fucking two like pickle slices that would drench the fries, and the fries would just taste like pickles. So anyways, he's getting food and we're there for like fucking two hours and he's just feeding me quarters because he's drinking. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I was playing that like deer hunter, <laughs> that arcade deer hunter game for like two hours. And I had no idea why I like I still was young enough to not understand. Like we're there for two hours because he's getting fucked up, not so that he can let me play deer hunter arcade. I thought that's what we were there. Is for. this pre cell phone? I think I had like an LG chocolate, like okay. one of those little fucking slide flip phones. So he was like, 
we're there for a while and we're leaving and I'm walking straight to the truck and he's going that way. And I'm like, Hey dad, the truck's over there. And he's like, Oh, all right. So you get in the truck. We pull out of the shopping center and we're going down this two lane road and there's a red light and there's like 20 cars backed up to the red light and he's going like 40 and I'm like, dad, it's a red light. And he swerves into the other lane and stops beside people. And luckily there's no one else coming the other direction. And we're just sitting there. The light turns green. He gets back into our lane. We take the right. How old are you? 12. Are you tripping? Yeah, I'm fucking freaking out. I'm like, he must be drunk. I'm like, this must be what it is like for him to be drunk. And I'm like, holy fuck, what's what's going on? But we're like literally less than a mile from my house. I'm like, we, you know, we can do it. We can get home. So <laughs> we can do it. He's already missed the first spot where you can turn into our neighborhood. So he goes down, takes a right at the light. A uh, hundred yards down, there's another entrance to the neighborhood. He takes that right. I'm like, all right, we're fucking good to go. It's like a 400, maybe 800 meter drive back to the house. And we're going around this turn, like up into our neighborhood. And he just goes straight and fucking runs right into this tree and runs the car into the ditch, this truck into the ditch. My fucking food goes everywhere on the floor, bro. I'm like, God damn it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what you're worried about. Dude, my cheeseburgers everywhere. I'm like, fuck me. So he backs out and just backs out and just. And my these other kids that lived like down the street from us were behind us in their car. And I, and I know this later because their parents like asked me about it. Like, hey, are you guys okay? So we drive back home. Are you well, able to drive? Oh, so you are able to drive away. He drove away. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. He backed out. He backed out. Does he like, say anything? Does he say, hey, are you okay, Taylor? And he's like, you're all right. And he's like, I pick that stuff up. And so I'm like picking cheeseburger up, putting it back in the fucking styrofoam container. We pull into the driveway. He gets out of the truck, immediately falls down. So I'm like helping him carry him into the house, helping him walk into the house. Oh, your mom probably wanted to fucking kill him. I would. She, she wasn't. My home. wife would fucking kill yeah. me if I drove drunk with the kids. I'd be dead. Dude, dude, she wasn't home. So we, I like help him walk into the basement, like lay him down on the couch, and he lays his. He like he can only get onto the couch. He's a big dude, so I could like you know I'm not fucking carrying him as a twelve year old. I'm just like propping him up. He like lays down on the couch where like his feet are half off and his whole like upper body's on the end table. Just fucking crazy. So like that happens. I'm like, dude, I can never end up like this. I'll never drunk drive. I'll never get fucked up drinking and I'm not smoking anymore. And I remember this one time I had my friends over and they're like, Hey, you want to you go smoke? My friend Caleb who, who had lived with me for that period of time. I'm like, no, dude. I just seen like one of those commercials, like the above the influence <laughs> commercials. I was like, how's he gonna imagine this twelve year old kid saying this? I was like, no, nah, dude, I'm above the influence. <laughs> hey, um, is any part of you just want to start ball? Like, like if I'm like, I yesterday I was in the garage. I'm riding my kids one wheel. Do you know what that is? Yeah, yeah. And um, and I start to get a little squirrely. I'm I'm going two miles an hour. Like I can bear it. When I say I'm riding it, I, I'm suck. Yeah. I'm like just balancing on it. And my seven year old's like starting to cry because he thinks I'm going to crash. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He's not, yeah. worried. he's worried about like his dad getting hurt. Are yeah. you like, are, are you, are you like just holding back tears the whole time and just pushing that shit down? Like how, how are you processing that? I remember when my dad broke his leg when I was a kid. He didn't even know how he broke it. He came home from work. He's like, my leg's hurting me. And then he ended up having a broken leg. And and he went to the doctor and came back and he had cast on his leg. And I just remember I was fucking bawling. Hmm. No, I never – I was so oblivious, dude. I, th- I was already <clears throat> wrapped up in this 
lens of life where like it was all about me and what I didn't have. Because I feel like I'm growing up through this. I mean, a lot of it is that he was a shitty dad. He just did not give me attention. And, the, you know, he would never say, hey, I love you or you're doing good enough. It was always what can you do better? What are you doing wrong? So I'm, I have this drug addict perspective of like, I'm not good enough. Fear of what people think of me. Fear of inadequacy. Fear of never having enough. Fear of, you know, no one loving me definitely not loving myself and so i'm probably not wasting two moments of my fucking existence concerned about what somebody else is feeling or what they're going to go through it's just complete self-preservation mindset as a drug addict um as you're older now do you um do you leverage that pathology are you trying to get rid of it or do you leverage it are you like oh show these motherfuckers now like i told my wife the other day i want this podcast to fucking just take over the world to to prove to the world that i'm the greatest and she, and I'm like, she just starts laughing. I'm like, but I don't even know who. I'm not even like mad at anyone. I need someone to be mad at. I don't even know who I'm trying to. My parents already love me too much. I That's don't have funny. Prove to nobody. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a. I'm sure. Like I'm trying a, to spin yeah. this narrative. Fuck you all. I grew up in the hood. I'll I'll tell all you motherfuckers. Nope, I don't got none of that. <laughs> I think there's some degree of like, I want to be extremely successful, and I will be, but I want that to show like you can go through what I've gone through and, yeah. and still be extremely successful. But I no, you will as like somebody who's trying to not ever do drugs again, you typically don't want to have that mindset. It is fucking poisonous to live a life of resentment. And like, like you said about the nicotine thing, that's allowing someone else to occupy space in your mind. Like yeah. I don't want, and I, and I did that for a long time, like even sober. Like I was chasing things and like having goals you know, subconsciously at the time that I was not self-aware of, but like all centered around like proving my dad wrong or proving that I'm good enough or, you know. Do, yeah. Yeah. Like good. leverage that. Like, yeah, I bet you wish you would have loved me now, motherfucker. Or, exactly. Exactly. And that can be a powerful motivator, but yeah. The shitty part is, is that, um, and you know, I guess I maybe I should we should ask more games athletes, but I can't remember which football player it was. But he had won like his second Super Bowl, and he was being interviewed on sixty Minutes, and they said, "Is that the greatest moment of your life?" And he goes, "I would trade a Super Bowl victory to go fishing with my dad." And and life really is like that. Every time like you succeed something, like you let's say you get your black belt, and like you're excited for like five minutes, and then you go home, and it's like nothing. Nothing beats if you. There's times that I thought that getting something was going to fill this void mm -hmm. and then it was hollow and it, it it's actually really bad. Yeah. Like I remember the first film festival I won and I thought I was going to be like, yeah. And instead I went back to my hotel room and cried. I'm like, that was stupid. That was stupid. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's I relate just with empty. that. I relate with that for sure. I mean, they're like, dude, I hated myself for so long. I mean, I still fuck. You know, the last three years of my dad's life when he's sober and a totally different person and like receptive to like being a father and spending time with me, I'm the exact opposite at that point. So I felt like when he died, I was like, damn, I squandered every fucking opportunity that I had oh, to like yeah. have a relationship with him. So I for sure relate with that. I mean, there, dude, I would, I mean, things happen the way they happen, but yeah, there's, dude, 10 minutes with him just to where I am now would, would be. I mean, it would, it's, it's a pipe dream that would obviously would never happen, but, and I don't know that I would give a lot for that because the life I have today is pretty amazing because of the events that happened. But 
yeah, for the longest time, I just wished that I hadn't been the piece of shit that I was. Uh, and, and your mom's still alive. Oh, yeah. Yep. So you can just overcompensate with her. Dude, we have, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Me and her. Like so anytime close. you want some time with your dad, just go fucking spend it on your mom. Dude, yeah, for sure. And me and her are so close. I like, I love the fact that me and my mom are best friends. And I have like the same, I can, like, I just tell her everything. You know, I, I have the same, I'm my same self pretty much with everyone, um, but especially with her. She's awesome. And where's your last name from? I don't know. know. Maybe I think it, I think it's Western European. My, my parents, my great, sorry, someone on my mom's side of the family, like her great, great, great grandfather or something immigrated from Ireland um, into South Carolina and no idea about my dad's family. They're just fucking, you know. Hey, hey, can someone get the dog? He has to take a deuce and he's barking by the door. <laughs> yeah, feel free. As long as you're dressed, because we can kind of see you back there. Or I guess not. <laughs> not dressed. It'd just be kind of weird. Maybe that would make this the highest rated show. Dude, ever. listen to this. I was in this fucking AA meeting. <laughs> Is there nudity in this story? No, no, no. Yes. Oh, oh awesome. I love this, it. We need I'm more nudity this on this show. COVID Zoom AA meeting. Holy fuck. This is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. This was like a, this was like two years ago. <laughs> and this old fucking dude is sitting in his living room in his fucking lazy boy. And his huge wife just walks behind the couch, tits out, shirt off, just walks by the camera. And everyone, you can see everyone's face go. <laughs> and he has no idea. <laughs> Oh my God. Nobody said anything, but dude, that was just a trip. It was not, it wasn't like cool nudity. It was like, that's gross. Oh, I don't know. There's no gross. gross, dude. I love nudity. (laughs) I I accept all nudity of all time. The only, the only part of you, I don't, I don't like the, the only part that's sad is like, uh, um, occasionally you'll see bodies stacked like cords of wood and they're all naked, like in some fucking Holocaust or genocide or fam. Other than that, I really enjoy nudity. Dead bodies are fucked up. That's not the only. My dad was the only one I saw too. I was sober, and my my cousin's grandfather had passed away. And she was that's gone. your life. You know what I mean? By the way, how you started that story. Hmm. Um, these are stories that come from my sober library, and these are stories over here that come from my fucked up library. <laughs> You know, for sure. I mean, dude, you have, it's, you have, it's down different. aisle six is the drunk, drunk stories, and down dude, aisle five crazy. is the sober stories. The the contrast is insane. I mean, it's true. It's so fucking it's true. It's so good. I love dude. it. I'm glad you're on the other side. Okay, so um, from the sober vault, share with us the dead body. Please. Dude, this yeah, my cousin's grandfather passed away, and she called me crying. I was in South Carolina that um her pop was dead, and we fuck dude i like drive to the horse pasture where he was at he was just fucking who is the chick she was related to you my cousin yeah okay and and it was her grandfather and he had um passed away earlier that morning they think the horse like threw him off the horse oh shit july it was july dude and it was like 4 p.m it was a grotesque scene for sure hey was his body all mangled like his head spun around backwards or some shit no no not not in that regard but just like eight hours in 105 degree heat outside just doesn't yeah it's gross i've seen a bunch of uh, dead bodies this one particular incident i saw uh a car hit drive through a crowd oh wow and it was fucking nuts and 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 i went over to all the bodies 
that were dead and they were all you're dressed right I don't want Taylor, <laughs> Taylor going on the next podcast saying he saw Sevon's wife naked <laughs> and he's very he's very judgmental on bodies so <laughs> he, he might like you because you have red hair though his chick got red hair too and, and the bodies were mangled and that and that part really fucked me up like it would be like a face is caved in oh. torso spun around like you yeah. know what i mean like the feet pointed this way and the torso this way it was f- and and i'm trying to like console the like anything like if they're like twitching and shit i'm like trying to, oh it was so fucked up and i'm trying like to stay super present because immediately i go into this mode like where was it that, uh in isla vista in santa barbara in the and college what, town and what fucking happened this guy just fucking drunk? dude this guy fucking hit these people and then jumped out of the car and goes i'm the angel of death no way <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> are you fucking, kidding me no, was no. he was he on drugs no. um or just psycho i think a combination Probably. he was a student he was a student there yeah wow came from a rich hollywood family super famous dad um yeah, it was nuts. It was nuts. But but when you see a body not doing the shit it's supposed to be doing, like you um that's when you realize, I mean that's why probably going to war is so fucking hard. You don't realize how much you have this. Well, it's kind of it's kind of like this. When um uh there was this there's this super duper handsome guy who has no arms and no legs named Kyle Maynard. He's in the he's in the affiliate community. He's he's in and, he, and he's famous outside the affiliate community too. And I was I was so and he's very handsome. But he just has no arms and no legs, right? And I think he's born like that. And he showed up at a party I was at one time, and a little kid opened the door while he was there. And the kid was like three. And this kid screamed like fucking bloody murder. Wow. Like the kid, it's because yeah. that's the, the kid's brain couldn't process how could there be a fucking human being with no arms and no legs? Dude. And it's and it's like that, you know, like from seeing a dead body, it's like that as an adult when you see someone who's dead. You don't even realize your brain. It's like almost like you just immediately have an out of body experience. You start to disassociate with it. I learned that word from uh, one of my guests, Kayla Harrison. She was molested from when she was eight to when she was sixteen, and she said she would disassociate from her body. I'm like, okay, what the fuck does that mean? Anyway, another story. Um, and a dude, and well, anyway, have you heard that podcast? Uh, I've heard I've heard a part of it, but I want to go watch it because I heard that one clip and it was gold. Yeah, you would you would you would appreciate her. It'd make your bullshit seem like nothing. Um <laughs> No, a lot of people that's okay. No, you're right. It's all right. So relative. I mean I mean when you're the person experiencing it, like it's the worst thing in the world because it's happening to you. But yeah. People go through some fucked up shit. Hey, and you know what you know what else is crazy? I think about too, like even as I contextualize all that, I'm like, okay, like how and I asked her this, how much worse would it have been if you would have been molested of someone of the same sex? Like, like there's levels to this shit. What if it would have been your dad versus this? What if it would have been like there's levels to how fucked up shit can get, right? Yeah. Like I mean, shit, you're alive. And like you're strong and beautiful and handsome and you got a chick and you're sober and it's like holy and you're on the Sevon podcast. Like your life's like just reaching this pinnacle. Dude, I mean you say that as a joke, but <laughs> no, I'm kind yeah. of, but also like I believe I know, it. I know you're being deceived, but but it's but it's true. I mean, the opportunity that I have is is unbelievable, dude. The kid that lived with me for that year, my best mm. friend growing up, he fucking died. He overdosed a year ago, last summer. Yeah. Fentanyl fuck yeah dude 
And listen, how fucking cliche? Are you fucking kidding me? No, we were the same person. And and I go to this funeral. I hadn't talked to him in years. I got I built this huge fucking resentment against him because I was like three years sober at one point, and he spread this lie to everyone that I had relapsed at this concert. Um, I was smoking a black and mild, you fuck. And he told everybody that I was smoking a blunt. And uh, what's the black and mild? Just like a cigarette. It's like one of those long fucking cigarettes with the wood tip that they've come flavored. Uh, and so. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Who else wine. made those? I used to like those too. And they come in the cardboard box. Yeah. The wine they, got the co- yeah. they got the colored ones too. Those were yeah. dope. Dude. So, yeah. So I, I, I had not talked to him for as long as time. He would hit me up and I would just be like, I just would fucking ignore him. And we were literally best friends. Like we got into a, we got into a car accident right before I got sober together. I was driving this car 100 miles an hour, flipped it six times. I buckled up because of him. Wait, 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 wait. Say, start that story again. Sorry. I looked at one of the comments about dead bodies. Is, start, say, what, say this. Start that. Go back 30 seconds. I was, just, I was just putting into context like our relationship, and we were spent every moment of our like lives together for several years. We had gotten into – we were both getting fucked up in my room one night, and I was dating this girl, and she texted me. She's like, hey, I need a ride home from this party, and we were fucked up already. And I was like, where do you want to do this? And he's like, yeah, we got it. So my mom's asleep. We go take the car keys. I had just gotten my fucking, you know, probationary license where you can't drive at night. It's like so you're night. 15. So you're 15. Yeah, yeah. So we pick her up, take her back to her apartment. He waits in the car. I go into her room. We get more fucked up, do whatever, have sex. And uh, how old were you when you lost your virginity? Uh, 15. That was oh. with this girl. So was she cool? Yeah, she was. She was cool. Um, I'm getting. Is she alive? Is she alive? Is she alive? Yeah, she has a husband and kids. Oh, awesome! That makes yeah. me happy. Okay, yeah, for I sure. Think. Okay. So, and it seems like she's having an awesome life for sure. And uh, so, I like go go back down to the parking lot, get in the car. I'm more fucked up at this point. We're on our way home. He's like, I get in the car. He's like, Hey, dude, you should buckle up. So I buckle up. We're on our way home, and like we get this grand idea to see how fast this Ford Fusion will go. And so I'm going 100 miles an hour in this Ford Fusion, like over 100, um, down this hill. And I'm hitting the bottom of this hill. And I'm coming up the hill. And probably a quarter of a mile on my right is a, is a turn to get on this road, that same two-lane road that my dad um, like pulled up in that red light at. Yeah. And I see it out of my peripheral vision, the turn. And I just fucking crank the wheel. And obviously, I don't make the turn. I go straight into the woods right into this huge transformer box that like powers a bunch of lights and shit and this is your mom's fucking car you stole my dad's car that he had so i was 16 at the time not 15 he had he had died like two months earlier he he died in september and this was in january so three three or four months and uh is this the car he got after he crashed the truck yes he had a dodge dakota and this was his ford fusion and um he actually he didn't total the truck when he crashed at that time. He sold it. Um, he didn't have his license either. He had like fucking twenty DUIs. So he's just like, why do you have a car, dude? <laughs> and so um, I hit this transformer box, and, and I I don't remember anything. I just I just remember the airbags hitting, and then me and him both gaining consciousness in this car. Um, but we gain consciousness, and I'm where the car's on its side, and there's smoke everywhere. So I like. I think the car's on fire. It's just the airbag dust. Come to find out later. But like there's smoke everywhere. So I'm thinking the car's on fire. I'm like, dude, dude, we got to get out of here. So we both crawl out. It's on the side this way, driver's side up. So we crawl out of my window 
and we're like standing there. I'm so fucked up. The high beams are on. The music is all the way up, and I'm trying to turn everything off because I'm like, fuck, we're in the middle of the woods. It's dark. It's 1 a.m. If I can just turn the car off, like maybe nobody will find it is what's going through my head. And then you um, go home and deal with it in the morning. Yeah. And so I turn the, I'm trying to turn the lights and the music off. Nothing will turn off. So I'm like, all right, fuck it. Let's go home. It's like a mile walk back to my house. So we get like 200 yards down the road. I'm like, fuck, my wallet. Oh, I got to get my wallet. Dude, this is like a movie. Yeah, dude. I'm like, dude, I got to get my wallet because if they find my wallet, they're going to know whose car it is. That's how fucked up I am. <laughs> Fuck the license plate in the VIN. Anyway, so I'm walking back. It's it's fucking January. I'm in this fucking cut sleeve shirt, shorts. My I was wearing sandals. My sandals are in the car. Or yeah, something like that. And so I'm I'm walking back to the car. There's already like six people standing, like looking like kind of outside. And I walk up in between. I'm like, is everybody okay? Have you guys seen anyone? And like I, I'm like I run back to the car, pretending to search for people or like see if I can help anyone. I'm crawling through the car, really just looking for my wallet. Can't find my wallet, so I'm like, all right, fuck it, gave up. So I get out of the car. I'm walking back. There's the same people are there. I'm like, can't find anybody, and I just walk right past them. <laughs> and so me and Caleb, my friend, walk home. And when I like get to the back door, the cops are pulling into their driveway. Oh, at your house. Yeah. And, and, and what happens? My mom's like, dude, you got to go put some mouthwash in. So I go put mouthwash in and the cops start questioning me and I just fucking break out in tears and spill the fucking beans, dude. I'm like 16. I was Did you get a DUI? shitless. Yeah. I got a, a baby Dewey, a reckless driver, corruption of a minor because I was with another minor who was fucked up driving past curfew. I got all these fucking charges. Uh, so remember how you, your friend said that you were you were, you hated your friend because he said that um you were you were relapsed. Yeah. I hate this dude because he said, "Why is your wife wearing a mask?" My you, you know what's crazy? My wife is very very docile, so fucking chill. But she would she she will not wear a mask. She'll go straight into Whole Foods. She's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm waiting outside." She's like, "Why?" I'm like, "I don't want to fucking get in a fight with anyone." She's like, "Fuck that." She goes in there. 300 400 people in whole foods goes to the checker to check out she's the only one with no mask she goes in there they're like yes man we can't help you so she just goes to the next checker until she finds one that helps her <laughs> so matt i like you might you've never seen my wife wear a mask buddy you never seen it. you don't even know what the fuck don't talk about my wife poor man's clove i used to smoke cloves like a maniac i love to clove chain smoke those fuckers craig white still smokes weed lol I love that shit. My wifey and I eat or smoke every night and I, my sleep's recovery is amazing. Yeah. I think we can see that you still smoke weed by your <laughs> fucking. His picture is a avatar. Just the way he fucking speaks too. Uh, his vernacular. So you, at a, at a young age, you're, um, you're, 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 oh, so I want to talk about your friend who died. So this is the, but so this is, man, this is some white trash shit. So this is a kid whose older brother was a, was a drug dealer. Yeah. So you, he had the bag of weed. Then eventually his, his mom lost his job. So they live with you for a year, which is already kind of weird, but, but it's kind of speaks volumes of how cool your parents are. And then you, and then, and then did you know that he was doing fentanyl and had you already found CrossFit at that point? Yeah, I found CrossFit. This was this was so he died last summer. Not 
sorry, not last summer, not last chance qualifier summer, the summer prior to that. And, and, and have you seen his mom since he died? I saw her at the funeral. I was going to do the funeral story is, is crazy. I'm ready. All right. Are you sure, dude? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I have to go pee. This sucks. See, you know it. what I was thinking? Pee, uh, Me too. Was, you do? Okay. Yeah. You know what I was thinking? This is weird because I was thinking these fucking assholes, but I can't really say that because they're such good dudes, but Matt Souza, Will Brandstetter, and Caleb uh, Beaver. Yeah. His name's Caleb Beaver, but he goes by C. Beaver. What a great name. These guys – they must not think you're usually there's I, there's a guy in the background I can see. Like, so when you would have said North Carolina, they bring up a map of North Carolina. Yeah, yeah. I'm not worried about that. You, dude. Or when you say giant bud, they'd the size of a penis, they'd bring up a penis. These guys aren't here today because you're not big time <laughs> enough. If this was fucking Jason Hopper I was interviewing, they'd be fucking here in a second. Oh, dude, for sure. Probably but it's Taylor's that. self and they okay. You have you have 30 seconds. You have 30 seconds. P break, everyone. P break. you beat me that's why you're a games athlete i'm just a regular human being uh there was this, in, in two in 2008 I, when i was taking a piss i was holding my dick in my hand i go i wonder if joe rogan ever took a piss break and just abandoned his podcast for 20 seconds or 30 seconds and then i was thinking about what um someone asked dave one time at the 2008 games someone's like what if someone gets injured and someone goes well what do they do at the olympics and dave goes fuck the olympics <laughs> as i'm holding my dick in my hand i was like having a conversation with myself what would joe rogan do if he had to take a piss and i was like fuck joe rogan fuck I don't joe Rogan. he's a good dude i don't mean that Dude, he's the the Messiah of American freedom right now. Oh my God, I'm I'm him and a Russell Brand. I'm so glad they fucking flipped the script. Those were the yeah. fucking most. Yeah. They they remind me of myself. They're just liberal fucking retards, and they just fucking woke up. Especially Russell Brand. I, I, I was, oh, Rogan was endorsed Bernie Sanders. It's really? fucking complete insanity. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's fucking. It's, I believe it. Yeah, it's it's um. It's woman hating, human hating, black man hating. I mean, all that shit is just putting your neck on pe- foot on some people's neck and stopping them from persevering. It's just the it's it's the same thing that that morning chocolate article is doing by attacking Noble for not sharing the money on the shirts. Like, they, shut the fuck up and go get yours, bitch. Yeah. Hey, Rogue, go to Rogue then. I know athletes who got fucking made tons of money through Rogue. Go to yeah. fucking Bill Henniger and Katie Henniger. Do what fucking Rich is doing. That motherfucker, people will fucking drive 100 miles out of the way with $5,000 cash from their friends and buy as many fucking mayhem shirts as they can and then bring them back to their friends. Yeah. Like, no one gave that shit to Rich. We didn't give him a... Anyway. Dude, I have a t-shirt logo now. It's pretty crazy. Let's see. Can I see it? Yeah, my friends... People at my gym made it. Uh, I'll pull it up on my phone. I love the best guys. Like, I, I, would, I would fucking... 
sell a piece of my soul to get to you on the show. But I fucking. Oh yeah, yeah, I saw that. That is good. Who made that? <laughs> uh, we, t- my so my friend Boomer. He actually has uh, three Emmys. He's a producer. He produced a couple thirty for thirties. He goes for Jim. Wow. But uh, he submitted it on. Yeah, the dude's a fucking. I mean, he's just a. He's a high achiever. He's a. He's a. He's a good dude, but he, and I'm sure you paid him thousands of dollars and promised him royalties from all your shirts and blah 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 blah. blah. I didn't pay him shit. They did. It. I they, know. He did it out of the. So, I know. Man. I know. He did it out of the goodness of his heart. He just had a. He, they submit. He took a headshot of me and they put it on this website where like artists can compete to come up with a rendering, and you pay for like a package of however many interactions you get to adjust the final product or whatever. And yeah, that's like a. I went to my the real. Homer is a legend. Look at Will. Who's Boomer? The guy. Oh, your buddy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, so that's the guy. That kid right there, Will Brandstetter. Yeah. I, last night I'm laying in bed and I fucking pull up the uh, my my kids are I'm waiting for my kids to fall asleep and I pull up this my the real Sevon podcast Instagram account. It has like fucking over four thousand followers and it's fucking the nicest Instagram account I've ever seen. That dude fucking does it, dude. He I've met and him I don't pay person. him shit. I I think I've given him a hundred bucks. I've met him in person. He lives in Charlotte. Will? Yeah. He, wow. he competed at my competition that I ran. The same dude, Will. You competed. I Will no Brancer. Yeah, he did the the intermediate. Or it's basically RX division. Had an RX and an advanced division. Dude, kind of looks like a young version of me with a little Jufro. Like <laughs> he kind of looks like you know. He reminds me of. He reminds me of the fucking the Goat Man from Narnia. I forget what that's called. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever yeah, seen Yeah, pan, pan, isn't that is pan uh, kind of. Is it a pan? I don't know. But let me let me pull this picture up because this is me and I'm making fun of you will, but you're a good dude so you can take Oh, it. he's such a good dude. Um Narnia Goat Man. This is what I'm going to Google. Images. He says he says competing might be a stretch of words. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Will's the straight version of that guy. <laughs> All right, that guy definitely goes both ways. That guy showed the picture of. Um. Uh. So we were talking about a funeral. gnarly funeral. Yes. Yeah. So th- yeah. I just I mean because basically this. she's kind of like a relative of yours at this point, right? It's Who? her best friend's. Oh, it's yeah. your best friend's mom, and she lived with you. At yeah. that point, there's some familial shit going on. There. Yeah. We. Uh, I mean, yeah. We were. We were extremely close. Me and me and Caleb were, and I want to preface obviously like. I, I'm just sharing this story through my lens and there's obviously a lot of, you know, there's a lot of other perceptions and probably of the events that, that happened and a lot of good reasons that things happened the way they happened. Um, but essentially we had this funeral at this, at this baseball foot slash football park called waters field where, where me and where, you know, he just played Vienna youth baseball and football his whole life. And it was a huge part of that community. Me as well. So we had the funeral outside there because of COVID. Um, and we're at this funeral. It, basically, at that point, only a handful of people knew how he had died. And his, his other family, who's extremely close with, probably closer with, um, they knew. And I kept asking one of the boys who was my age, like, hey, how did he die? And he's like, it's not for me to say. And I just was getting so fucking upset about it. Like, I was getting so fucking angry that he wouldn't tell me. Um, but it's not his, it wasn't his place to, you know what I mean? Um, so I have this fucking, I, at the time, I had this fucking bit of resentment because I didn't know how he died. In my heart, I knew how he fucking died. He was just like me. 
And this I know for a fucking fact is I knew him and what made him tick as well as anyone, as well as he himself fucking knew it because I'm, you know, sober at this point, we were the exact same person doing the exact same things for the exact same reasons. Um, even if he himself wasn't aware of it because he wasn't, he wasn't sober and didn't have that lens to view it through. But so anyways, we're at this funeral and I'm sitting in this fucking fold out lawn chair, you know, whatever, you know, and, uh, People are like getting up to speak about that's some North Carolina shit. A lawn chair at a funeral. I like it, dude. (laughs) 12,000 lawn chairs. Take one. It was like a fucking few hundred people there. Uh, it's a huge funeral, and people are like getting up to speak for him. And I remember seeing, you know, his his older stepbrother, not his actual brother, who's this drug dealer, and just the resentment fucking building. Like, fuck this guy standing up there. Like, and, like, do you uh, think, like, that guy sold him the fentanyl, maybe even? Probably not, but fuck, you become what you're raised around. Right. And, and anyway, so I'm, I'm just sitting there, like, seething. And this baseball coach of ours um, um, named Doc Havens, he's a doctor, an actual doctor, uh, gets up to speak. And uh, he's the one who signed his death certificate. And no one – this entire time, there's got to be like fucking maybe 10 people who know how he died. The one family who he was also extremely close with and spent a lot of time with, his dad, um, stepmom, stepbrother, and then his mom and brother and real sister, I'm sure knew. And uh, so this Doc Havens gets up to speak and he's like, you know, says a few things about Caleb and he's like, and a lot of people ask me not to say anything about this, but I can't go on keeping this secret. And it's not good for the community. It's not good to pretend like these things don't happen. And he basically just fucking spits the truth on him overdosing on fentanyl and how it's a fucking, it's the real pandemic and it's fucking killing our youth. It's killing our fucking families and just wreaking havoc. The opioid epidemic. And he shares his own story about coming from middle of nowhere, West Virginia, where that was like, you know. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, fentanyl. <laughs> yeah, literally. And uh, it was just crazy. So I'm like sitting there fucking crying my eyes out as this is happening. I'm like, fuck, dude. Like maybe if I would have fucking talked to him. Just, you know, there's always those what ifs. Of course. But man, if, you know, you don't get sober unless you want to get sober. That's Hey, leading cause of death for, I think, dudes like your age and younger in the United States right now. I overdosing. Yeah, overdosing on, on drugs. Yeah, fentanyl specifically. <laughs> I think, fentanyl. but it's okay. Yeah. Put your mask on. Yeah, it's hey, crazy. dude, I would, I would let every, just so you know, I would let every fucking person over seventy who died of fucking COVID die, and give them a standing ovation to save your friend. Me personally, like if I was God. Yeah, dude, I, that's- I, I, I would, I would spin back time, and I would have never had a lockdown, and I would have never done anything, and I would have let just to save one fucking dude in his youth. The amount of potential that kid had to. The most athletic person I've ever met. Unbelievable. I, I like I, the shit he would do. One time we were playing baseball. We were on Doc Haven's team. We're playing baseball. We're, we're going out to take the infield. I'm at second base. I play second base. He plays shortstop and he's jogging past me. This was probably the most embarrassing thing. One of the most embarrassing things to ever actually happen to me, but one of the most athletic things I've ever seen with his baseball glove. He does a cartwheel six inches from my face and farts. 
as his ass. <laughs> Everyone's freaking out. And I'm like, God damn, dude, this kid just cartwheel farted in my eyes. It was, but he was just, and he gave you a lifetime memory, dude. The memories, That's a good dude. The memories that me and him have, but that was to go back to the opportunity, like be, even just being on this show and fucking making no money, barely being able to pay rent. But dude, I get to wake up and do what I love every day. And I have the opportunity to fucking live my life and not be fucking dead and overdosed. That's crazy. Yeah. It just sucks that young people, like there's so many, don't get me wrong. I don't want anyone to get it twisted. I, I don't, I don't want anyone to fucking um, have an un, untimely death, but if you're 70 or 80, you've had plenty of time to fucking get your shit in order. And the youth of this country and the youth of the world should not be paying the price for you. I would never do that to my fucking kids. I would never do that to a fucking child. I would never want the world to do anything for me to compensate for 30 years of fucking chugging Coke. Could you fuck, imagine like what it's like? You. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I'm with you. I just can't imagine what it would be like as a parent for your oh. fucking kid to die, dude. Holy shit. And, and, and I would resent every single fucking person who participated in the, in the pandemic narrative. I would give them a piece of the blame for my child, even if it, if, if it wasn't healthy and, and like, uh, I know it wouldn't be healthy, but I would still do it. I would go can, there. Yeah. I, I like that. How can you go through something like that in a healthy way? I, I mean, it's what, what does that even mean? You know what I mean? Like what is the fucking healthy way to grieve a fucking child's death or a father's death or, you know, how, how, how is there one healthy way? I feel like the healthy way is the way that gives you the best perspective, maybe 10 years down the road. But I mean, fuck when you're. Yeah, I, I, you're right. It's like, it's like, what, what's the best way to get punched in the face by someone as hard as you can. It's like, well, to heal, to grow from it 10 years later. You're right. But Jiggy Josh, dude, if, if, if that was on video, just the way it happened, I can't begin to describe, like, have you ever, have you ever heard of something like that? It was unreal. Who he thinks, knows? Who Jiggy Josh fart, knows it was athletic. He who knows. thinks to fart at the top of a cartwheel in someone else's face? <laughs> oh my god! Hey, um, what you told a story about when you got sober? What? What's? Oh, it was after seeing your dad. Was it after seeing your dad? Is that when you got sober? No, I like. So after my dad died, I didn't get sober. I like dropped out of school. I got into the most miserable point of my life where like I'm waking up every single day like, fuck, I can't do this anymore. I hate myself. I'm not going anywhere. I'm a piece of shit. My dad. Are you? Is God in your life now? Yeah. It was God in your life then? No. Okay. Not that I felt. But but maybe not that you felt, but did you ever pray? Were you ever like, what the fuck, God? Why are you doing this to me? Did you oh, yeah, yeah. those things? For okay. sure, for sure. Okay. okay. Like, why me? Like, why the f- – why? All, yeah. all that. Um, okay. So I'm like in this point where I'm getting fucked up every single day. I'm waking up in the morning. I'm like, I'm, I'm making this commitment every single morning. I'm like, I'm never doing any of this again. I'm like, throw my fucking weed out the window. Two yeah. hours later, I'm like crawling out on my roof in the gutter trying to find it. Yeah, I can't yeah. fucking you know, been there because I can't because I, I can't exist without it. And then, was I a fucking idiot? Why did I throw that out? Yeah, and uh, so then like I I wrecked my car, totaled my car with my friend. I remember waking up in the hospital after the cop- wait, wait, wait. This is different. How many? No. This is different than the, the car- same same accident. They took us to the hospital, both me and him. We okay. walked all the way home, and they were like adamant that we were going to get into the ambulance and go to the hospital. Okay. 
Um, so I remember waking up like later that morning in the hospital. My mom's next to me crying. I'm thinking to myself, holy shit, my dad just died. I almost just fucking died. What would I, what would that have done to my mom? I'm like, I can never do this again. That's a healthy thought, by the way. Yeah. So I'm like, I make this fucking, this, the strongest commitment I could ever make. I'm like, I'm never doing any of this again. I promise, mom. I'm never going to drink again. I'm never going to smoke again. Do you put something on the line when you do that? What do you mean? Like your character? Yeah. Well, I mean. Uh, Like I would do these things. Like I'll give you a really (laughs) cheesy example. I would do these things like if I'm I'm doing 100 burpees for time and I'm at 80 and I want to quit and I say, hey, if I do these next um, 20 in a row as fast as I can, um, I'll be rich when I'm older. You know what I mean? Like I'll make a, a promise to myself that I can't, that I have no, can't even keep, but like I'll throw something carrot at the end. Are you like, Hey, I'm going to stay sober no matter what. And if I don't like, no, I don't know. I'm just making this commitment and, okay. and meaning it with every ounce of my being. Okay. And then the next day I can't follow through. I'm getting fucked up again. I'm trying to get fucked up again. I just can't, I can't, I fucking cannot stop. And finally I just get this fucking, actually my, so my grandfather had died when I was 14. And he had kind of filled the role of my dad. That's a different. We'll just we'll just slide past that. So that was my dad's dad. And then my dad's mom was still alive at the time. And I remember How you, so your dad your grandpa died when you were 14. Your dad died when you were 16. Yeah. This accident we're talking about happened like when you were 16, also, same year. Yeah, 16 and a half. We'll and, say. And, and and was your grandpa an alcoholic? Yes, but he was sober. For okay. a long time. And so okay. he kind of filled a lot of, I spent summers there growing up in South Carolina with him and he filled a lot of that kind of void that my dad left. Um, was he affectionate physically? Yeah. My grandfather was fucking incredible dude. Okay. Such an incredible guy. Hey, we've um, talked about this too in Kayla Harrison's life. She had really cool, affectionate parents, uh, grandparents too. Yeah. And I just want to encourage people like, like, man, I know you already raised your fucking kids, but if you're a grandparent, man, step up, man. Grandkids need you. Okay. For sure. And, uh, so my, I remember my mom's out of town one time. Her sister is staying with me to watch me and she, I I skipped school again this morning and she's freaking out at me. Like we get into this fucking huge argument and I just can't stop thinking to myself. Like I barely know this fucking lady, you know, she's an aunt that I'm not close with at all. And I just feel fucking sick to my stomach that she's in my house telling me what to do and fuck her and blah, blah, blah. So I call my grandmother, like the only one I feel like I can talk to. And I remember I'm on the phone with her and she's like, you know, telling me that she believes in me and she has faith in me and that I'm going to, you know, and she knows everything that's going on at this point. And, uh, and then like fucking a month later, she fucking dies. And I have just have this fucking gift of desperation. And I'm just like, fuck, I don't know what to do anymore. I remember asking my mom for help and, I went to put me in rehab with my dad's life insurance. No shit. Yeah. Wait, so tell me that con- you're 16 at the time. Yeah. Um, tell me that conversation in, in a little more detail with my mom. You're- yeah. I just, I walked into her home office and I was like, I don't know what to do. Like I'm, I just said, I think I said verbatim. I was like, mom, I need help. I was like, and I don't know what compelled me to do that other than just fucking what, AA calls the gift of desperation. Like shit is so bad for so long. So fucking unbearable that you're like, fuck, I w- I'm willing to do anything different. I don't fucking care. I just don't want to feel this way. Do you still have the same girlfriend at that point? I was still, I was off and on with her. Yeah. Um, w- was any part of you like, Oh fuck, I can't get sober. I'll lose all my friends. No, Not like that. They won't like you, but like, that's what you do together. No, 
that didn't like that didn't even occur in my fucking mind. I was just I was so fucking miserable, dude. I was fucking peeing in Gatorade bottles in my room so I would not have to leave my room. Wow. Like, have you seen The Aviator with Leonardo DiCaprio? A long time ago. At the end of the movie when he's like the future and he's like in his fucking room naked peeing in those glass milk bottles, dude. Yeah, I just didn't. I didn't want to like like if there were people over at my house, like my mom had people over, or my sister was home. Like I was, I couldn't, I couldn't leave my room. I didn't want to fucking face anybody. It was crazy. It was what just, what drugs were you doing at that time? You were you were drinking weed, most, drinking every single day weed, and some opiates, and some like opiates. Uh, like what like like oxycotton, hydrocodone. Okay. Also, before my grandfather, from the point like a year before my grandfather died, it's like it to a little while after. Um, when he still had a lot of it was his cough syrup for it. Cause he had lung cancer as well. Oh. So he had this fucking opiate cough syrup. Was that fun? I never did cough syrup. Uh, it was, I dipped, I dipped a lot of, I smoked weed with it a lot Oh, and that twisted things up a little bit. I liked, um, I liked, and I still like it. I, I, I mean, I can't remember the last time I've done it. It's probably been years, but I, but I would do it. Um, uh, I like taking like, uh, like Vicodin, like two Vicodin and a beer. Yeah. sitting on a couch well, oh. anytime you mix substances it's a recipe for <laughs> some, some interest oh shit. man i used to anytime i would hurt my back take pop a couple of vicodin and uh and fucking crack a bottle of wine yeah it would be fucking um uh thank you um tom you're a good dude tom plaza oh, we're you know 40 what? bucks deep we got to get to 100 before i get out of here so we can <laughs> fulfill my prophecy I don't think I've mentioned the sponsor in fucking 10 shows. I wonder if they hate me. Barbell jobs? Yeah. They're such good dudes. Maybe they'll just be like, no, Sevon, you've been doing a great job. Don't worry about us. We're just giving you money because we love you. Yes. Like Scissor, <laughs> like, like Scissor, like the Tony Tone, but not like we didn't put fucking Jolly Ranchers in, in Diet Fanta and then pour a bunch of codeine in it. We just, we just would soak blunt wraps in it and let them dry and then wrap the weed and smoke. Oh. Wow, you would be patient enough to let them dry. You would think yeah. in advance. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, um, but you were an opportunistic. Your real drugs were alcohol and weed. And I, would, I would do, yeah, anything that I could get my hands on for sure. I think the key thing here is I'm 16 when I got sober. So yeah. I, I wasn't exposed to a lot of opportunities to get my hands on some fucked up hard shit. Right. You know, if, I had, if I had waited till I was 18 or 20. You might have gotten into meth. I'd be fucking dead. Yeah. And, 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 and what, can you give me like a little more on that? So you walk in and is your mom start crying or tell you to shut up or, Hey, just go outside and play. Or is she no, like immediately sensitive to it? Yeah. She had tried to get me into rehab like a couple other times. And like, it would come the morning for me to go. And I'm like, I'm not fucking going. You're going to have to call the cops and force me to go. It's like, what are you going to wow. do? You're going to take me to fucking rehab. Did yeah. your sister ever intervene? She's five years older and been like, dude, what are you doing? Motherfucker. No, we, I don't even remember a single conversation we had in that period of time. Um, she probably fucking hated me, uh, but she didn't live at home either. So we were just never around one another. Uh, hated you because of just the stress you're putting your mom through. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, siblings are a trip, man. Siblings are a trip. There's some, there's some, there's some hardcore shit that can happen in life. You can be a really good kid or two or three really good kids and, uh, and you can have one bad sibling and it fuck everything up. And I know some people are going to be really offended by this. I, and, and I, and normally I would say, go fuck yourself. I don't care, but I apologize. But this is the truth. It's the same with having disabled people in your house. You could have fucking three kids and your parents have another kid and they have a kid with down syndrome and everyone's fucking life changes. Yeah. 
and yeah. there's a uh, the dynamic of living with people is fucking huge, man. Yeah. That's why we're all role models. We all have a responsibility to each other. I got to answer this guy's question. Is the rehab that expensive in the USA, dude? Yeah, yeah. answer away. It's fucked up. It, that whole business, dude, it's like, it's like big pharma. They will fucking rape your insurance companies. If you don't have insurance, they'll fucking rape you for every fucking cent that you have to go to a place like that. It's crazy. I think that's why AA is such a powerful existence. If you if you have the gift of desperation or are willing to try anything. Um, so how long were you in rehab? What's it like? Are you with kids? Are you with adults? Yeah, like, do you have with, to go cold turkey? Yeah, we were in this young adult men's ward. There was actually two parts to this rehab. There's a 28-day program. And then at the end of the 28-day program, the counselor either like says, oh, you're good to go, or they recommend you for extended care, which is another. Hey, I was, I was girl crazy at 16. Were you girl crazy? Dude, yeah. yeah. I'm in fucking rehab, like jerking off every day, dude. <laughs> and, and like, aren't you just like, you're here to be sober, but you're just looking for a girlfriend? Yeah. You're, could you imagine for four, like months, who? Yeah. for four months being in a, in a fucking program with probably 20 other dudes? No. All you guys talk about, <laughs> and think about is having sex with girls, dude. Uh, it was It was funny. It was I was pre-internet too. Like we were a pretty naive bunch. Like, 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 like the JC Penning's catalog would come to your house and like on the cover would be women in their bras. And like that, that was like stimulating. Like as a kid, yeah. I don't mean like in a perverse way, you wouldn't jerk. Oh, I didn't jerk off to him, but like, it's not <laughs> like today, but, but I was like girl crazy. Like I only reason why I went to school in high school is to see girls Yeah. Like, oh, for like, sure. or write them a note, say hi yeah. to them. You know what I mean? It's just like, that's all I want to do or have one say hi to me. All right. I'm like I'll, I'll make it till tomorrow. You yeah. Know? <laughs> like, so, so yeah, rehab was, yeah, it was girl crazy for sure. More than anything, it was like, it gave me the opportunity to be separated from the ability to get higher drunk, which was, which was exactly what I needed. I don't think I would have been able to stay or to get sober just by like going to AA. I'd gone to a couple meetings before that fucked up. Like I like my mom was like, you need to go to a meeting and I would like get as high as I possibly could and then go there and sit and, did you what did you ever think about running away to get high like five days in? Fuck this. I'm out. Oh dude, dude, I I fucking visualized it every single fucking day. I did not have the balls. You're in the I was in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. It's called Wernersville, Pennsylvania. Like you run away, it's probably ten miles to the closest gas station. How the fuck I'm sixteen. I'm a fat drug addict. How am I getting ten miles to a gas station? And then You were fat? You were fat? Oh dude, yeah, I was fat at the time for sure. And when I, I say fat, I, mean, I can't I'm, see you as fat. When I, I say fat, I'm 16 and I'm like five, nine and like 200 pounds. Okay. So, that's fat, fat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you're also athletic. You have, you're, you're, you're capable because you've been playing sports your whole life. Yeah. But, and, and you have, you're intimate with your body and how it moves and shit like that. But what does that mean in terms of surviving a 10 mile fucking trek by yourself as a 16 year old through I don't know where the closest gas station is. You know what I mean? So, but I did picture running away every single day. Um, and I would, didn't change any of my behaviors. I was sober um, of body, but not really of mind. And I was just a shithead. So, hey, my, someone said my wife, someone said, someone's saying, uh, listen, my girlfriend works in an opiate rehab and the company that owns it does not care about the patients one bit. Yeah, they it's don't. a struggle between counselors. Well, I just want to say my wife works at a rehab too. And they fucking care. Some like, I know, and I know the owner and, and you know what? I, I don't know if this is true, but I'm going to say it anyway. I think it used, I think they're all Scientologists who run the place and <laughs> really? 
Yeah. And I think it used to be like a Scientology rehab. Like you go there, like it was funded by Scientologists hmm. and, um, and you know, all the negative shit, like stereotypes, like they're the target of fucking like, they're just a thousand South Park episodes probably. But, um, but I don't think it is that anymore, but it's run by Scientologists and those motherfuckers care. Dude, so that I like they care a, so yeah. much. I worked at a rehab that was very homegrown, and I know the owner, and she, she and she, like everyone. They, I think my wife might be the only person there who's who's not like a Recovering. customer of the place yeah. of that place. Like I think they only hire from within. A CrossFit take note of that. That's a lot of. That's all. You lot get of, that? A lot of treatment places are like that. Um, but don't be like CrossFit Inc. and hire your fucking marketing director from Ways. Ways. So I worked. Please. at I worked at an outpatient place. And it was like this one guy had started this guy named Brooke and it was everybody cared there. And then eventually I worked there for like two years and it had been in business for like nine years. Yeah. And then boom, corporate rehab buys them out and they don't give a fuck anymore. Hey, wasn't fentanyl developed to get people off of heroin? Probably. How retarded is that? <laughs> what the fuck? Oh my goodness. Are you kidding oh me? Oh my goodness. I, I can think of some really, really gross metaphors. I won't say just because I'm trying to clean the show up just like a tiny bit, but man, it's, that is sloppy. So yeah, I'm in rehab. For- Ivan Vasquez, sugar-free monster money. Bring it. Someone asked me the other day, would you take monster money? I said, $1 million, $1 million. Bring it. Hell yeah. Bring me the money. I take fucking a thousand a month for monster, dude. Dear <laughs> monster energy drink, please sponsor Taylor self. $1,000. Anyway, so yeah, please. You look so good at Wadapalooza, dude. I was. You look so good. Yeah. You look like a you. big, strong man. You look fast when you ran across the finish line and you're running through all the assault bikes. You look like a beast. Your hair, your head, your you were, Yeah, you were dope. <laughs> and I and I, and you were wearing those black shorts. You were dope. Thanks, man. Um, yeah. But yeah, I was in rehab four months. But really, the biggest thing it did for me was get me away from the ability to get fucked up. Do you have I any got, friends from there still? Like dudes who were in there with you? I I am like Facebook friends with a couple, but but not in contact with a lot of them. Actually, I think all the ones on Facebook friends were probably aren't even sober anymore. Yeah, they I, all relapse. Oh yeah. <laughs> they have a ninety-two percent relapse rate. Legit. I I mean fucking everything does. A, 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 right. so I went to AA when I got back and I met my best friend in the world. He was with at Waterpalooza with me. He came with he stayed with me for quarterfinals and the last chance. That's such an amazing dude, but wait, go back to that. Say that again. You got out of rehab and you met your best friend in AA. I went to AA. So I went in, started, in Fairfax. Yeah. I started going to meetings like every single day, young people's, um, AA meetings, which saved my fucking life way more than probably rehab did. But rehab, and are you, are you really just going there to meet girls too? Like that's where my brain would be at 16. I'm going there because the counselor from the rehab made it part of my aftercare program where if I didn't go to these meetings every single day, I'm like, they're sending me back to some fucking shithole. Okay. So I'm going to these meetings every day. I get a sponsor. I start doing the whole AA program. One more um, thing to put this in perspective, people, this is 10 years ago. So Taylor's 26 now. So this is 10 years ago. We're talking. Okay. Go yeah, on. I'll be, I'll be 10 years sober in April. Um, which is crazy. But anyway, so yeah, I meet my best friend. I'm, I'm going to meetings every day. I'm like having the most fun I've ever had. Cause there are people that like are happy. And I mean, dude, if you can imagine recovering drug addicts, they're the funniest fucking people on earth. This <laughs> is so funny. Um, so I just, they have to be right. Yeah, it's like this dude I had on the podcast the other day. He said, 
at some point in your I'm, I'm paraphrasing at some point in life you have to take all the fucked up shit that happens to you and use that as fertile ground for material for kind of your stand up routine and that's what I've been doing like my shit in the van story it's horrible at the time but fuck it makes it, it's <laughs> 50,000 views on my YouTube station you know what I mean dude like, I have some the- friends with the most fucked up stories that are just hilarious and they can yes. make fun of themselves about it um, yes. yeah this one friend who sucked a guy's dick for fucking drugs it was <laughs> And he tells the story. Yeah, dude. It That's is. a good dude. He's a fucking great dude. Um, I have friends who did that. God, you will do some fucked up but shit. They, but they kind of aren't human by the time they get to that point. Was it meth? Yeah. yeah. Um, no, for him, it was not meth. Wow. <laughs> wow. I'm not telling this. It's his story to tell. J- um, just tell me what, what, what drug it was that's it was, worth putting, putting a dick in your mouth. Heroin. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I got it. Heroin and meth are worth putting a dick in your mouth. For yeah, sure. for sure. For sure. And, to to them at that point in time for sure but anyways can i uh, before we go to this uh, back to your aa meetings there's this hierarchy of shit that like you if you have to run your life by you have to it's it's like one of the only rules and it has to be like breathe and then eat and then you can interchange fucking shelter I need those four in that order, right? I have to wake up and I have to be breathing. I need food. And then like I could be homeless as long as I'm getting some pussy or some dick. But but <laughs> but some shelter is nice too. And those two can like vacillate back and forth depending on where you are in your life. If anything gets in that hierarchy, you're fucked. You are no longer a, a normal human being. Your operating system is completely corrupt. Meaning if if like heroin is more important to you than fucking or eating or shelter – then you're fucked. Your whole fucking system is out of fucking whack. Or do you know what I mean by that? Like if yeah, and that's what's crazy about being an alcohol a kid who's a drug addict because those that hierarchy's not even really formed yet. You need that thing to really solidify, and and and, and it, so that you can then take those basic. Anyway, that's just a, one of my philosophies. Like you really just need to ha- keep that in order. Don't let anything get in that mix. And then I, someone's going to say God first. Okay, I don't care. Throw God in there somewhere. God's not going to like steer you to doing heroin or sucking yeah, dick. So but you good. put drugs, God in, put in, drugs in there, it fucks everything up. Yeah, you can't put anything in there. But you put everything up. <laughs> you put everything under it, dude. You put everything. Yes, put everything under it, and you'll and eventually you'll get back on track. But if it gets in there, you're a mess. Yeah, well, it gets. It doesn't even get in there. It becomes there. That's it. There's nothing. Right. Else. You don't give a fuck about anything, but. Okay, sorry. So, no, so, you, so you go, so you you go to AA because your counselor tells you you have to go to AA. Yeah, and AA was for people who don't know anything about AA. One, it, obviously, I cannot be. I, I'm I'm not a representation of what AA does because if somebody views me as what AA can do for them, I'm a fuck up and I'm gonna piss somebody off. So just don't even, you know, take me as a as a as a example of what it can do. But really, it's just. It's an organization run by members who their only vested interest is them staying sober and helping other people stay sober. The only reason, not the only reason, but, but the predominant motivator for helping other people stay sober is that it helps you stay sober. Um, giving it away helps you keep it for yourself. That's kind of the premise. So there's no money. There's no, it's, all, it's, it's all basically recovering drug addicts just helping other recovering drug addicts or alcohol. And when you say there's no money, that means what he's saying, let me translate that for you. It's not corrupt. There's and- no, yeah, there's no, they don't take any sponsorships. <clears throat> it is the, it's, it's the only organization I've ever been a part of 
where there is no outside influence because it's against one of the written traditions that the organizational structure is founded upon to where they don't take any outside money or, or sponsorship or donations. They don't take, they don't side or affiliate with any ideologies or philosophies or political anything. Can white people go? (laughs) Yeah, dude. Can black people go? Dude, everyone can go. Oh, okay. Then here comes the tough one. Do you have to be vaccinated to attend a meeting? So, so there, yeah. So that's kind of the crazy part about this whole COVID structure. There are a lot. I started a meeting in my house here um, where I was having guys over um, a men's meeting. There are a lot of meetings that you can go to. They, they don't ask for a vaccination card. There are a couple of meetings where like within the church that you're at a meeting, the church requires a mask. And so you would have to wear a mask. And I didn't go to those meetings. But then they have Zoom meetings and et cetera, et cetera. Hey, and, I'm, and I'm all for. I have no issue if someone wants to start a meeting and they're like, hey, everyone here has to like stand on one leg. Everyone here has to wear. Uh, I don't know. Never mind. Let's not go down that. Well, it's not their choice. I just, it, it I just hate seg. I just hate segregating people. Yeah. Well, so, well, I mean, you know, to an extent, it's the church's prerogative to say, if yes. you want to have a meeting here, you have to wear a mask. And so a lot because of, people, of our facility, it's yeah. our house. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, fair, but fair. a lot of people were doing meetings outside of this guy said, I'd suck a dick for an Aleko barbell. Hey, that's commitment. That's commitment. Um, so <laughs> hey, what he de- what he doesn't tell you is that he, well, he already has, yeah, yeah, yeah. or time. just that that's his preference. Hey, it's, it's not a big <laughs> deal if you suck a dick for Lego bars, if like you like sucking dick already. Like, yeah, so I, I don't want to say anything bad about sucking dick and be accused of being, um, um, be speaking derogatory of the penis. Having no. a penis in your mouth is probably just a wonderful thing. I, I, I peace and love for sure. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, you're you're right. You're right. I don't want to disparage it. Okay, go on. Okay, well, so dude, so the whole COVID mess has muddied what it means to be politically affiliated with anything because there's this guise of oh it's science, it's blah blah blah, it's it's authority, it's the government, we have to all that. So prior to this, for, for, to my knowledge, before COVID and the vaccines, there was never anything politically that interfered with the way any sort of meeting was run. Until now. And that's kind of why this is a scary, unprecedented time. But um, it's great. Dude, there's this there's this program called Vipassana. It's a pro it's a it's a it's a it's a non-denominational meditation retreat. It's 10 days. You go there. It's no eye contact with anyone and no talking. Wow. They don't accept any money from outside sources. They are like they are the. They're the only thing I've heard of on the planet. They're the fitness. They are the CrossFit of finding God. They are they are the crash course in spirituality yeah. in a way that I've never heard presented to mankind. And they're requiring vaccinations now to go. Fuck. Oh, I have, I have, yeah. I have friends. I I have friends who are like hardcore. Uh, well, here's the thing. AA no is not- right mind who's looking inside yeah. themselves would force anyone to wear a mask. Like, yeah, no, that's like, crazy. Like, like, but how? I wonder how often that leadership is interchanged, or if it's just a constant state of one particular can't. set of leadership there. I don't AA- know. But there, but what's happening is that there's a there's this cosmic brain or something. I don't know how to explain it that we all share. Uh, some cosmic consciousness or thought and somehow some polluted shit has gotten in there and it's, and it's running rampant. Yeah. There's, I guess you could say that about a lot of things. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a lot of that in AA, but the thing about AA is that there's no 
um, there's no hierarchy in terms of whose say matters more than anyone else's. I'm sure there is a bias at particular meetings to listen to the person with the most recovery time or the most, you know, in-depth knowledge of the big book or the traditions. But every month, leadership turns over. The meeting votes on new people, oh. new service positions. And they don't even call – they're not leadership roles. They're called service positions because you're being of service to the meeting. Um, so there's – there's you really- know some shit's happen, crazy shit's happened though, right? Like you're this guy's been your sponsor for five years. You love him to death, and now he won't talk to you until you're quadruple vaxxed. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know first, that yeah, shit. So you sure. know that shit's yeah. going down, and it's like holy shit. And that's why. But here's the thing, and that's why. But but AA to me is like the CrossFit of sobriety. Yeah. Um. Because, dude, it, it works so fucking well. well it's and not, why do you say that? Because of community, regularity, yeah. oh, commitment, it's, it's, peer yeah. pressure, all that shit? All of that. And it's and and people – it's it's this cult-like persona in the recovery community. You know, there's these other things like, oh, go hike the AT to get sober and all these other fucking – you know. But AA is – there's no it's, – it's, it's not based upon any – any one person. It's a spiritual program designed to give you a spiritual experience with a higher power. And I've never heard anyone say anything bad about AA. You can't say that about a lot of shit. It's in, it's fucking incredible, dude. I mean, it saved my life, and and it really started my journey towards. I mean, definitely in self examination and and being aware of yourself and your natural tendencies and your defects and all that shit. And that's to me one of the most powerful characteristics you can have is someone who's self aware, like truly. And I don't know if it's even fucking possible to be a hundred percent self-aware, but to be on the journey of that. And it's a spiritual Um, program. Can you give me an example of self-aware? Like I'm in the car and I'm fucking driving down the road and some fucking bitch cuts me off and I start freaking out and I'm like, stop, dude, what are you doing? Why are you freaking out right now? You're basically, (laughs) you're, you're poisoning yourself, hoping that it hurts somebody else by getting a resentment at somebody you don't even know in the car or, or a more pro- yeah, or a more profound experience would be like me going with a, a sponsor that I had around like five years sober, a guy who like fucking changed my life, going over these the trauma of growing up with my dad and then his death, and then how my existence became to like prove that I was worthy of him by you know doing all these things I thought that he would approve of, um, and kind of stripping that away and and trying to choose for myself who I want to be, um, which is, you know, noticing that I gravitate towards, towards older men in a mentorship role because I lacked that as a child. Um, lots of things. I, 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 um, I gravitated towards, towards older men too. I really liked having a mentor. Yeah. I just like being like, you know, 16 years old and know, and, and knowing at least like, some 40 year old dudes. And even through college, when I was at UC Santa Barbara, like I just like having access to like 50 or 60 or even older dudes, like to talk to, to hang with, to drink coffee with. I loved older dudes. It's a huge part of my life today. I mean, I've had so many mentors in AA and out of over the past 10 years that have fucking changed my life and given me new perspectives and have taught me amazing shit. But I, but I I know a part of the reason why I seek that out is because I lack that kind of father figure growing up. Yeah. I wonder if that's why I did. I mean, I saw my dad a lot. My dad was a workaholic. My dad is a workaholic. He's still a workaholic at 80. Yeah. Like, I kind of like it. Yeah. 
but but I only my parents were divorced. I just saw them on the. I mean, I saw them like on the weekends. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, maybe. I wonder. I wonder. Uh, so 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 then you so you go to AA. So you're you're 16 and you've been in AA for 10 years. And 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 when does when is the God component? Do you go to church every Sunday? No. No. And when does the God component come in? That's p- part of the um, AA thing. Right? <laughs> the, it's the a higher power. power. It's a, yeah, but they they're very very articulate and adamant that it's a God of your understanding. You know, and here's the other thing: it was written in the fucking 1930s. So there's a lot of there's a lot of fucking young woke kids in there trying to change a lot of the verbiage and the vernacular as you use the fucking word in the big book. But to put to it in this a, day, there are you're saying there are. Oh yeah, like in now, not to this day, but like recently, people are starting to. But you have to put it in a context. These guys wrote the most revolutionary fucking thing on the planet in 1930s of inclusivity right. and progression. Right. Chill the fuck out. <laughs> you know, it yeah. uses the word man in some places and it uses the word God in other places. Right. And just relax and understand that they mean humans and a, and a power greater than yourself. And, right. and they say that many times. So the whole, the whole program is, is based upon you having that relationship of dependence and surrender to a, a higher power. So I would say I do. I, I probably gravitate more towards the acceptance that i don't know what's out there but i believe that there's something greater and i think that it's not that it's not about knowing what is out there more than it is about seeking what is out there and being on the path of kind of that is what is what kind of brings some of that change and profound realizations and peace and serenity is just seeking god rather than knowing and finding god can you can't find god Maybe you can. Maybe someone will do it in my lifetime. You know, people use this word believe a lot. And, and I always say I don't believe in God. Why would I believe in God? Because I believe believe is something that exists in your head. And why would you trap God in your head? Hmm. I, believe, yeah, I, like, I don't know. I, I, think, I, think, I, think, I think there's a knowing of God or of becoming one with God or, or an, you have an experience with God. No, I, I experience it the whole, but to believe is the last thing I want to do because I believe, I believe, I believe that believing is what separates us from God. So that's what I, I know exactly what you mean by that kind of saying to believe in God is to have this, for an example, the Christian ideal of what God looks like. And I, I just have no fucking idea what God looks like, what his name is, what he does. Is it a he, a she, a it? You but know. you've experienced something, an unknown power that it's something that, that you've, you've experienced something unknown. Yeah, for sure. And you're, and you're aware, you're aware of something that you, that you cannot label. Yeah. When I, when I first got into rehab, I think my first God experience, it was the first night I was crying my fucking eyes out. Cause this like, is, where, where is this? This is at rehab in rehab. The first night I was there. Cause it was the first night I was like sober actually for a period of time for, for like three years. And so I'm like fucking freaking out. Like, what did I just put my mom through? Worse than that, I fucking just lost all this time with my dad that I could have had. And he's fucking dead. And I'll never get that back. And I am a piece of shit. And I, I remember feeling that night that I would never get fucked up again. I would never use drugs or alcohol. And it was a different feeling than the commitment I had made to myself thousands of times. It was, Ooh. It was just like I know. I just knew. I just knew I would never do it again no matter what. And I would fucking die before I did. Um, whether that's stupid or not, I don't know, but I, but I believe that. And then another time I felt it was, I had been trying to get into the Navy 
and I had done everything I could and I had worked harder for anything that I worked in my entire life. And I had this period, this like this instance of like pure acceptance where like whatever was meant to happen would happen. And if I didn't get in, I'd be okay with it because I like just did everything I fucking could. And I experienced this contentment that I had never felt before in my life. That was another yeah. experience. Yeah. And did you make it to the Navy? No. They told me I was okay. <laughs> and, I, and I was okay with it. I was okay with it. Oh, it's so crazy to look at what a fucking savage you are now and to think that you couldn't make it to the Navy. It makes you wonder about the well, fucking was, hiring process over there. It wasn't because of my physical capability. I destroyed everyone in the – I was trying to get a SEAL contract as a civilian. And I took the PST for the first time with all of the other candidates who had been taking it for months. And I fucking clapped them all. Like I destroyed them in the run, killed them in the swim. The only things I didn't beat everyone in were the push-ups, pull-ups, and sit-ups. But it didn't. they don't give a fuck about that. I was like middle of the pack in that stuff. If you beat everyone in the swim and the run, both, which I did, dude, they'll fucking suck your dick. They, that's all they care about. And and the rest of the shit you can do. Like, like Yeah, I was middle of the pack, but when you anyone can develop some pull-ups, I think. I think swimming and running are much harder to develop than some They're pull-ups. harder to develop, but what they see in that is like if you're willing to black out, like I wasn't the fittest guy there, but I was willing to fucking black out on the run to not let one of those fuckers pass me. Um, like they were on my ass, and I was like, fuck that, I'm black and you're not passing me. So, anyways, I did that. The SO mentor is like, Yeah, we'll give you you automatically qualified for your SEAL contract. You come in, take the C sort, which is like the special operations, uh, the comprehensive special operations resiliency test is what it stands for. And so I'm like in the recruiting office a week later after my PST, taking the test. I take the test. He's like, All right, I'm getting on the phone with the commander of our region for special warfare recruiting. And it was a guy who my family friend had actually put me in contact with earlier that summer. And I talked to him on the phone and he told me at that point in time, he's like, with your drug history, dude, there's no way we'll take you. <laughs> what do you mean? I didn't, I, I, what do you mean? I quit when I was 16. Dude, I, I was get into the crazy shit. My recruiter told me to I lie about everything. Yeah. My recruiter told me to lie about everything. And I was honest. I was so, stupid. no, you, that would have been stupid to lie. Yeah, for sure. But he, he told me to, dude, I mean, I'm not joking about that. Yeah. He was yeah. adamant. He's like, don't yeah. fucking say that. I'm like, dude, they'll dishonorably discharge me. Anyways. And you don't want to carry the weight. Once again, listen, oh, people, I'm going to tell you this secret weight. of life too. Wow. There's nothing wrong with stealing. There's nothing wrong with lying, except you have to then carry it around with you the rest of your life. And that is the worst thing. Fuck all the other immoral shit. First of all, there's no even such thing as stealing. Stealing is based on the false premise. Uh-oh. Of ownership there's not even ownership i like that my house is my house i like this game we're playing i like pretending like money has value but don't delude yourself into thinking it's real you're paused or frozen Ownership isn't real. Just like red doesn't mean stop isn't real. It's just something to read on. You don't want to have to carry the burden is my point. Damn. So, so you're, you're going to become a seal and, um, and, 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 and you don't, and you accept it. Hey, are you smoking at that time when you're 16 and you're in rehab? No, they didn't allow you to have nicotine in rehab if you weren't 18. Um, unless and then, you, parents, and then did you start smoking again when you got yeah, out? Yeah, when I got out, yeah, when I got out, I started dipping again. But not smoking. Not smoking. I was dipping. Yeah, I was dipping and I dipped 
all the way through me trying to get into the Navy, which started when I was like 17 and ended when I was like 21. It was like a four-year process of getting all of the medical waivers approved. Um, so I like I spent a lot of time as like every single day obsessing about that and you're reading every fucking book written by every single Navy SEAL that's ever fucking lived, um, which is a whole other thing of how I think developed a lot of the character that I have today. But hey, dude, if you would have made it into the Navy and became a SEAL and went overseas and killed a bunch of people, imagine how fucked up you'd be. You'd have this fucked up past a drug addict and this twisted relationship with your dad then you'd have fucking this more pst and baggage of like bodies dude. blowing up you'd be just a fucking like i wouldn't have lived you need dude. six lifetimes to unpack that shit dude <laughs> so- i know i i probably wouldn't be sober <laughs> right yeah holy oh shit. man um but yeah so that i didn't make it but i was dipping through that entire period i found cross it was still dipping then I decided I was going to like be competitive and I quit dip for like two years. How did you find CrossFit? My sister introduced it to me. And then I, and then I did a class with her, didn't go back. And then when I was trying to get into the Navy, I was like, wait a second, one- wait, go back a second. Sorry. Sorry. I got some questions. So you you get out of rehab and you're living with your mom yeah. and, and you're going to AA and do you go back to high school at that point? Yeah. I went to a new high school. Okay. And then do you have a job too? Like, do you work at like Seven Eleven or some shit or I got a job at this fucking tree farm. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah. really cool. Like basically where they raise trees and then sell them to nurseries, Christmas trees and shit. And then also they sold like mulch and fucking like in bulk. Like you would, you would come there to get a yard of mulch from a huge front end loader. Like okay. not, and they sold mulch bags too, but mostly the bulk shit. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so you kind of get, you have your life together. You're living back at home, you're working and you're going to new high school. My life wasn't together, but I was, I was, a, you know, definitely in way better shape than I had been when I, before I went to rehab. But I was, I mean, I was, I was a fucking actual high school boy at that time. So I was, and, and now, you were at least faking it till you make it. You were on the right path. Yeah. I was still skipping class a lot. I was still getting into a lot of fights and lashing out. I was still fucking doing shit that got me in trouble in school. I mooned this fucking teacher one time. Mooned? Yeah. Mooned him in high school. (laughs) I was 18, dude. They could have given me some fucking serious charges. They didn't luckily. Um, (laughs) Dude, if you show your asshole on school grounds (laughs) as an 18 year old, That's uh yeah, they can fuck you up for that. Um, I was always impressed when people mooned other people because like I never had the confidence to moon anyone. I didn't want anyone to see my butt. Dude, you don't have to, <laughs> it's not like you're flashing your dick, dude. You don't have to have confidence to show I know, them. Your I, just, I just I just am just twisted. I was like, you know, like <laughs> I just don't like they're gonna laugh at me. They're gonna be like, You're showing us that. Oh, this guy asked me the mission, the men and me. Yes, I've read that book. Great book. Dude, you can't you can't name a Navy SEAL book, Bruce, that I haven't read for sure, unless it's been written in the past three years. Okay, I'm so, obsessed about it. So, um, is is your sister living at home at the time she introduces you to CrossFit? No, she was home visiting. Went to this CrossFit gym. Was like, hey, you should come with me. I went with her. She's and why did you go with her? Why didn't you say no? Fuck you, I'm staying home. I don't know. I was on this path of like open mindedness and enlightenment, and I was like, yeah, I'm kind of interested, intrigued. Okay. And I, we went to Jeff Tincher's gym. Oh, Uh, wow. Wow. Yeah. It's right next to my house. So we go there. I do this workout. It's like rope climbs and deadlifts or some shit. And I like fucking sold my soul to RX it. I had never climbed a rope before. And I like did this rope climb workout, fucked up my shoes, 
tore up my fucking legs. I was like, fuck this. I'm never doing this again. Um, and then like a year later, trying to get into the Navy, I was like, I passed this Instagram ad of this other gym. And I was like, I should try this. This will help me. And it did. And, and, then, and then you've been, you've been in ever since. Yeah. And drank the, drank the Kool-Aid brother. I started. And then, and then when did you say, when and why did you say, oh, maybe I'll, um, I won't just use this for fit. I'm assuming you went there for fitness. Yeah. And then some, and then somehow you came across, oh, I could compete. Well, the Navy had just told me no. I was fucking obsessed with CrossFit by that time. I just mm-hmm. find something I like and I obsess over it so hard. Um, and so I kind of just got good at it and I was like, fuck it. I'll just, I love working out all the time. So I'll just be more serious about it. Um, and that kind of enter my journey of discipline and actually taking it seriously and trying to become a professional and treating myself as a professional. Um, but that kind of, there was kind of a, there was a brief period of lapse in judgment where I was, it was 2019. And this was when I was, you know, doing qualifiers and stuff. And they had just done the sanctional model where like, if you want a sanctional, you get a ticket to the games. And so I qualified online for the Mac. It was a sanctional that year. I was like sixth in the qualifier. I thought I was fucking savage. I was like right next to Jacob Hepner and in the qualifier and Sam Quant and all those guys. And three days before the actual competition, I was riding a skateboard, just trying to like get my mind off things and fucking blew my knee out and then had surgery. What year was that? 2019. Oh fuck. Have you ridden a skateboard since then? Yeah. <laughs> you do? You still ride? You still fuck around? Uh, no, not frequently, but I've been on a skateboard for sure. A few times. But How do you blow your knee out on a skateboard? I was bombing this hill on a, on just a regular deck and I had never been down it before. And this kid also was like, dude, don't do that. It's sketchy. And I, he kind of yelled it from behind me. I was like, fuck that. Like, I'm good. At, I'm good at skateboarding. I grew up skateboarding. And I fucking get halfway down this hill. I'm going like 30, no helmet. I get the speed wobbles. I'm like, fuck. So I ditch the board and just fucking. <laughs> and somehow your knee didn't, didn't like it. Yeah, somehow. <laughs> oh, God, dude. And were you just fucking devastated? Did you dude, start drinking I was, again? I was on the ground. <laughs> Listen to this. I was on the, for some reason, I go through shit like that. And it just, it that has the opposite effect. It makes me more of a stubborn piece of shit. Um, so I was on the ground face down thinking right when it happened, right when I got the speed wobbles, I knew I wasn't going to compete that weekend. I knew I had just fucked myself. So I was laying on the ground face down, head in my arms. I'm like, you stupid piece of shit. You just worked so hard for this opportunity, squandered it. I fucking get up. I'm walking back home. Yes. Walking. Um, shit was fucked up (laughs) Get in the car, call my mom. I'm crying drive to the hospital. My mom and my best friend, Jake, meet me there. And like the, the, the doctor who's on call in the ER is like, you know, don't take my word for it, but I really don't think anything's torn. And I'm thinking to myself, bitch, are you fucking high? <laughs> what I felt, <laughs> dude, it's all torn. And it was, it was all fucked up. But I guess because of the swelling and me walking home on it, it had like stiffened up to where it felt like the ligaments were there or whatever. And so I was just fucking in that I had read like David Goggins book, like a few months prior. And it was just like the perfect opportunity to practice kind of the shit that he talks about in his book. 
So I went through knee surgery with no painkillers. Really stupid idea. Um, but that's the kind of, you know, my sister's like 20 years sober, maybe more now. That's the kind of crazy shit she would do. But I didn't do it because I was sober is the funny thing. I did it because in his book, he talks about like experiencing pain and like how you experience something extremely hard and you put it in your cookie jar. If I can do that, I can do this. And so I was like, fuck it. I don't need that shit. <laughs> it was so miserable. First night I'm out of the hospital. I'm like on the couch in my mom's house. I had moved out, but I was back home because I had surgery. I'm crying my eyes out. Like, mom. <laughs> She's like, what? What? I'm like, it hurts. I had I had this friend and him and his wife were going to the dentist and I can't remember what procedure they were going to have, but they were both going to have it. It was like having a tooth removed or a root canal, something fucked up, right? And they both decide that they're going to do it without any pain medication. And he gets in there and he's like in there for like five minutes. He's like, fuck that. Give me the pain medication. <laughs> and he gets out and his wife goes, oh my God, that was the worst thing in my life. How did you do it? And he goes, I didn't. I took the pain medication. She's oh. like, you fucking asshole. <laughs> Yeah, she did it. Dude, can you imagine having giving birth? No. Nope. Can't imagine it. Hey, That's if like, I knew, yeah. if I knew, I don't even know how women, I really don't know how women let dudes get them pregnant knowing that they have to have a baby. That's, yeah. It's crazy. That's how much they like dick. That's how crazy girls are about <laughs> dick. No, it's not. <laughs> I'm telling you. It's all backwards. Oh they always blame God. that shit on dudes. Girls are just fucking. I mean, yes, there's nothing. Wise. There's nothing. There's nothing I would do. I've read I Fearless would, too, Adam Brown's book. That's what made me think I could get into the Navy as a as a recovering drug addict was that specific book. And I called his. I maybe I didn't call, but I like found the email for his wife somehow and emailed her. I was like, "Can you please fucking help me? I'm just like this guy." Never responded. I'm not fucking like that guy. She probably gets a billion emails a day, but. Yes, I read that book too. How did that guy in? You think he lied about it? it? Was some guy who got into the who became a SEAL who was a former drug addict? No, I don't think he lied at all. It was just a different time. When I was trying oh, to get right. in, CBS had came out with this article about like ten SEALs getting kicked out of the East Coast teams for doing drugs and shit. And they were on this, they were like not gonna fuck with anybody. You get a thousand kids a day that wanna join your fucking unit or the or the teams. Why would you why would you take a risk on one kid? You can teach any kid physical fitness. But fuck, I have a record of, you know, a horrible fucking track record. Why would they risk it over 999 other kids that have a clean record? I have this friend who's a cop and he's a former um, uh, heroin addict and he's like the best cop you could ever imagine. He's like the nicest, most fair, generous, patient, fittest. Yeah. I mean, it's fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, I I wonder who this is. Wait, wait, hold on. Let's answer. Oh, Oh, darn it. Bruce Wayne, uh, Tom Shea's book, Unbreakable. And you spell Tom, T-H-O-M-S-H-E-A, Tom Shea. I spoke to him on the phone after I read his book. He's a really good guy. But that's a really, really good book. You spoke uh, to the author? Yeah, I called I called like all those authors of SEALs when I was trying to get in. I like would find their number. I'd be like, dude, any advice? Like, Can you help me? Uh, I talked to a lot of them. I wrote this one guy. I talked Did you ever to call TDC? The Dave Castro? No, I didn't even know who he was back then. Oh. I talked to uh, Paul Tharp, who was the commander of Buds at the time, like a triathlete, Ironman. Wow, wow. I talked to this guy. I forget his name, but he wrote this book. It's like, How to Not Get Fucked Over by Your Recruiter is the name of the book. 
And uh, he runs this locksmithing business in like Oklahoma. And that's how I found his phone number. I looked up his locksmithing business and called it. I did not get fucked over by a recruiter. Yeah. You know, because recruiters don't give a fuck about you. Um, so so now what's the plan what what's the plan moving um so so you're still paying it forward you have aa meetings at your house um you're 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 still you you're you you seem like you're further away from relapsing than ever i haven't had a i haven't to be fair i haven't had a meeting here in a while it's been a while okay so you're not paying it forward you're douche selfish douche again Uh, (laughs) um how often are you going to meetings now uh, not as often as I should be and not, not, not as often as I used to. I think a lot of it would be, you seem great. Why, why, if you, if you're doing good, well, why do you need That's kind of the conundrum is a lot of people will start doing really, really well and forget how bad it was. And then boom, they're fucking done. Um, right. I still talk to uh, my circle of, of people that I spend the most time with and speak the most to are all in recovery. And so I depend a lot on them. It's just hard to fucking, I could zoom, but it's, Man, I don't have the time to go to in-person AA meetings. I fucking coach three classes a night to pay rent, and I train all day. There's n- there's literally – I don't have two hours of my day to cut out to go to drive there, drive home, spend an hour there. There's this um, uh, you know, conventional wisdom. Uh, if you don't practice stillness meditation, which which means to not react, to to be the observer, um, when times are good, you won't have that tool. When times are bad, meaning yeah. like don't wait till you fucking like yeah, you, you can't wait till someone cuts you off or your boyfriend breaks up with you to no. meditate. You got to meditate when it's every like day. Perfect. Yeah, nah. like when you get in in uh, when things are great, you have to cultivate um stillness and non reaction. Yeah. I do pray I and meditate every day, which I think is I pr- I practice. I mean, there are the twelve steps in A, and I do practice. The twelfth step is practicing the principles in all your affairs, and the tenth step is taking personal inventory every day. And when you're wrong, promptly admit it. So there's a lot of shit that I that I that I still practice a lot of, and it's just a season of life I think where I don't have a ton of time to dedicate to AA meetings specifically. Um, that doesn't mean I don't call my best friend who's sober and tell them how much of a dumb fuck I am when I, when I need help. Hey, did you do that thing where you like, you go back in your life and like you say, sorry to people. Yeah. Oh my God, dude. Well, I tried to do it like two times and got fucking scared and just like quit halfway through. Um, what step is that? The eighth, the ninth step. Eighth step is making the list of persons you would harm, become willing to make amends to them all. And ninth step is, made amends to such people wherever possible, except like you would go back to that teacher and apologize for mooning them. Yeah. Ah, that's actually funny. Cause I never fucking made amends to that guy. I couldn't find him. In, in a, I can't yeah. even remember his name. It's crazy. He was, a, he was not even, yeah. But anyways. And once again, I, 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 I shared this with you. The guy who got moon will never forget that day. Dude. You gave him something as a gift. You gave, <laughs> it wasn't a I mean, gift. <laughs> it is a gift. It is a gift. My asshole and probably yes. balls back too. Yes. I pulled my pants yes. on my ankles. Yes, you gave him a gift. <laughs> I use this. I use this story over and over and over. But I was in a taxi cab. It was four in the morning. I was headed to the airport. It was in Kansas City. I just. I was. Um, had been at a, a film festival, and it was storming, lightning, thunder, rain. It was fucking nuts. And I had to get in this taxi cab from my hotel to go to the airport to fly back to California. And the taxi pulls up, and it's a fucking minivan. And the, it's it's a yellow minivan, and this it I don't know if you guys have seen it. Now it's a pretty common sight. These people are so obese that they have to have this. Not only do they have the seat scooted all the way back, but they have the seat all the way reclined, and yet they're still sitting upright. You know, it's like a five hundred pound guy. 
and we're driving to the airport and it's fucking, you can't even, it's raining so hard. You can't even see out the windows. I mean, it's pouring and we're on the freeway and lightning, lightning and thunder and all that shit. And he go, and I'm in there with my, uh, with the, um, the, the producer of the movie and we're driving and the, he goes, Hey, I'm going to, ha- I have to go to the bathroom. I have to pull over and go to the bathroom. Yeah, pull over, go to the bathroom. I'm like, this is kind of weird. And he pulls over, and I and we're on the side of the freeway. It's fucking scary as hell. It's not a safe place to pull over. And the dude, uh, I, I think he's gonna get out of the car and pee. And then I realized this fucking dude can't get out of the car. Like that's a one. That's like a max effort deadlift every day, back squat, mile sprint for him to get in and out of the car. Yeah. He fucking goes, ma'am, you may want to turn your head. And he reaches over and gets a fucking Gatorade bottle or Coke bottle from the side of him. And he pees in the car with us sitting behind him. That, that's how he hit the, And And at the time, I'm oh. like, at the time, like, I'm like, this fucking piece of shit. But now in hindsight, I'm like, wow, that I, I owe that guy a thank you. Because I'll never forget that taxi ride. Wow. Yeah, that's disgusting. I wouldn't forget that. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like, you showed that guy his, his asshole, and he's like, he's got a story in the bank. Just now, I probably made five dollars. It made made this podcast a couple minutes longer. Made five bucks off of it when total views are, um, you know, calculated. And like, I owe that guy. I should give that. I should find that guy and give that guy three percent of five bucks. Yeah. See how the world works. It's a good place. It is a good place. Um, so do, do you do you think you eventually make it to the CrossFit Games? Yeah, I feel like I know I am. Yeah. This year. Do you have to just tell yourself that? Um, like, is that like, oh, I'll believe it until I get there? Or is it like you really like feel something? I really feel something. But going back to that, do you think that's a silly philosophical take on life? I mean, do you, do you, do you not believe in the law that what you think and what you believe in kind of or what you focus daily on comes to pass? No, I believe it. Um, but, right, but, but, uh, but I know I get what you're saying. I mean, it's easy to just, cause it's not as simple as that. You have to take action, but that's the thing. I take a lot of action. Um, yes, yes. You have to take action and there's, um, and I know I'm one, I know I'm fucking, I know I'm more than good enough and I haven't yet put together a complete performance. And I feel like when I do, it'll be, it'll be something really special. So I how did you that. meet, how did you meet Jason? We we were, we did a competition together and he beat me. Yeah. And that's how you guys met? Yeah, we started training together at that at my buddy's gym, Crash Fitness in Spartanburg, which is like kind of between both of us. Is there any party that's like um uh you got mad on your side and I just fucking whooped your ass at Wadapalooza? Fuck you. No. No. I I I'm taking a different approach, a more mature one. I think it's part of me growing up towards working out with Jason and we're going to be doing a lot more of it. Cause I think that we have a unique opportunity to help each other. He's bad okay. at the things I'm really good at mm-hmm. and I'm good at the things he's, you know, vice versa. So we just have a really cool opportunity to be professionals. Uh, is any part of you like, um, I know, I know Colton Mertens is Sevon's favorite and I beat him. Fuck those two. <laughs> no, I actually, talked, <laughs> I talked to dude. I could fucking get Colton to say more than two words this time. A lot of yeah. I didn't actually try to talk to him ever before, but we talked a bit. Um, he's a, he's a good guy. Yeah. I like he, him a lot. He's wonderful. Yeah. He's a cool it's dude. F- fucking wonderful. It's, um, to not to, 
it, this is going to be a, a horrible metaphor, but but to to not if you see a guy who's going to take a Volkswagen bug and put it on the steep, put a Ferrari engine in it and put it on the steepest hill in the world and then throw a brick on the gas pedal to not take a fucking moment out of your life and watch that you're fucking missing out. And I feel like that's what Colton Mertens is. Not that he's a Volkswagen with a Ferrari engine. I just mean it's it's that it's that it's that peculiar this combination of of fucking traits that we're looking at. Yeah. His physical stature, his day job, his upbringing, his fucking hyper intelligence. I mean, it's this. Um, there's a there's a lot of depth to I'm sure a lot of these athletes that nobody really gets to see that you uncover, which I think is a really cool part of what you do. And you say that you do that, and that's uh, that's the opportunity of just being honest. And it's the thing that like morning chalk up and other places. I mean, they're great. They're great at what they do, but nobody really gets to tell our stories. Which is what fucking, you know, you think, I guess that's what sponsors are attracted to you by or by how many fucking followers you have on Instagram. I know it's, it's a, it's a weird, um, it's a weird thing. I think about it more and more the juxtaposition. Like someone said to me, they go, yeah, what I'm doing is really weird. And what the athletes are giving me the um, ability to do is really fucking weird in this environment. I, I don't mean to just suck my own dick, but I can't help it. Um, it's so unique to this sport. It's such a – I'm so fucking weird, and I allow the athletes to be so fucking weird and come free. Yeah. And, uh, and I just love people so much, but yet I'm just – do you remember that cartoon character, Tasmanian Devil? Yeah. Yeah, like I feel like that. Yeah, you're all over the place sometimes. It, well, it, but but I like it. In a like, good you way. know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, I'm, I th- I'm thriving. Like they're like, "What the fuck? He's got ADD," and I'm like, "No, motherfucker, I'm a tornado." Yeah, you know what <laughs> I mean. Like, often, I, you always bring it back around <laughs> in some way to relate to what we're discussing. It's, I mean, it's it's cool. It's natural. Um, this guy Bruce, I'm definitely rooting for Taylor to beat Hopper. I beat him. <laughs> <laughs> uh it, um just kidding bruce about the how, finger, not about beating him so i i had this friend I, um i had this friend in college and um he was going he was getting ready to go his um he's getting ready to go to germany and um there was this girl he really liked and he was gonna and he was an exchange student he lived in germany and he'd been been at college with me for you know a couple of years and then he was moving back and he only had two weeks left and there's this girl he really really fucking liked and he said uh I'm like, hey, dude, why aren't you going to her house every night? Like, what are you doing? Like, get with her. And he's like, dude, I, like, I don't want to like fucking fall in love with her and then fucking leave and be hurt. I'm like, dude, what if we all die tomorrow? Fuck that. Go get hurt. Yeah. Go fucking break some fucking hearts. Get your <laughs> heart broken. Just throw yeah. your heart in front of a train. Quit being a bitch. Yeah, live life. And uh, there, there's a part of that about being what you're doing. Dude, there's a like, huge part. The, like, the- like, like you're really – yeah, you're setting yourself up for failure. I mean, like like everyone is who tries to become a professional athlete. I mean, it's really a the risk that each athlete takes on themselves is fucking immense. And anyone who's actually nuts, anyone who's actually pursuing it to a large degree, which I believe all the you know a lot of the guys on the bubble and and the people at the games are just in their breakthrough year for sure. You, you're taking no one else has really taken a lot of risk in you. None. I mean, ninety nine percent of you are going to have your heart broken. You're all chasing the same fucking girl, more and she's that. so fucking yeah. loyal she won't even look at you guys. More than more she's than ninety nine percent. One with one, and then there's some asshole like Matt Fraser who will take her five years in a row to the prom. 
not gonna let any motherfuckers talk to him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're right. Um, but there's a there's this other thing in this kind of universal law of abundance where if you choose to view the world as scarce and having only scarce resources, then your reality becomes one of scarcity. But if you mm. choose to view the world wow. as abundant, then abundance becomes your reality. And so that's kind of the other approach I feel like I want to, I'm really doing my best to take with Jason is that there's enough for both of us and we can help each other have that. I mean, he's already well, made it. To the it game. really is true that r- rising is. tides float all ships. The, the other people in the media space at CrossFit's, for example, they don't fucking get it. Mm-hmm. They, the, the, they don't, <laughs> they don't fight, but you're so right. Yeah. He will only get better if you get better. There's nothing to, um, and, and, and it's okay to fuck with them. Like when you hear, like when you hear like Matt and um, Justin Medeiros' relationship, it's okay to like, if they, if they can't play the game and fuck with you and fuck with you back, then, then whatever that's on them. Yeah. Well, me and Jason are really close. We're closer to probably than a lot of, than we let on, but so we, we can take it from each other. Um, yeah, he's a good dude. A good friend. Um, the heartbreaking piece is most of the people will never get to dance with the girl. And then when they do finally, if they did win the games and they did win dance with the girl, it's not going to be as good as you ever imagined. Mm-hmm. And so you're pursuing yeah. kind of a ghost. Well, but, and yet, but again, and yet you think, have to do it. There's no point to life if you don't do it. You no, have no, to do it. You're right, but I, but I think at the other time is if you're pursuing it with the idea in mind that once you get there, you will have, have made it, and that that's the pinnacle. Then yeah, you're going to set yourself up for failure. Yeah. But if you just understand and accept the fact that in pursuing that is kind of what your life is is about, the journey, not the destination. As cliche as that is, but that's the truth. Yeah, it really is. Um, what, what, this is, this is just rude. Taylor looks like Ed Sheeran's daddy. <laughs> Who? You or me? Who's Ed Sheeran? This guy said the blonde dude? The fucking ginger pop oh. singer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I thought that guy was just a total dork. And then I watched some video of him and like he has his shirt off and he's boxing. I'm like, whoa, he's a stud. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to have to look that up. Brandon okay. Von Drack. Are these people's real names? That's Davy Craig. I don't know. I feel like I feel like you can just make your fucking YouTube handle whatever you want. So Colton is a savage. He won the Wadapalooza ten event, and then I saw him right after and just put his headphones in and walked off silently by himself into the night. No entourage, no distractions. Stone faced. <sighs> okay, I have to. I have to poop now. I had to pee once, and now I have a, a double. <laughs> that morning shit hitting you. Hey, um, do you know um, why I scheduled you um, t- this week? Why? Because I um I told uh, Matt Souza, the producer, I was like, dude, can you please give me just fucking easy people this week? I'm gonna be in Tahoe. I want people like because usually I'm in a I freak out a couple hours before I go to bed the night before a podcast, and I like it. I like freaking out, but I wanted to try to like spend more time with my kids. Like, can you give me someone who's just fucking easy, who I like, who I can just fucking talk with and not trip? Because I'm always like, there's this element of having to keep it going, right? Yeah, yeah. And then he put you on there. I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> that dude's so cool. We'll have an easy time. Appreciate that, man. Yeah. Susan knew. All right. Well, um, what? so so what's next? Um, semifinals and then uh, – so, so now you're just – it's all – Training, yeah. Just now, now it's just the road to the games. Yes, sir. To open 
um quarterfinals okay games. Yep. let's do um i do this thing with like after i do like these ex- kind of a deep extensive podcast with people like with fighters or athletes i want to start like um, then going back and just doing like shorter half hour shows so yeah. like as you do the open every time after you do a workout maybe just do like a 20 minute show and be like how is that workout yeah your dude. sister watch you um how many times did you think about nicotine like um do you have sex on the days you do the open just like you know what i mean just a 20 minute and then just move on. Just have you on for revisits. Hey, listen to me. Stop reading. Listen. I, <laughs> no, I, I, cause I already am. I'm already on board with the idea. I'll for sure. Come on right. for shorter shows. Look, my best friend goes, tell Savannah about how you went bald at 16. That's the Jake I was talking about. My best friend, <laughs> that fucking asshole. He, dude, he's the reason I'm not insecure about it, to be honest. Cause he just fucking rails me. You're fat. Jake. How, Shut up. Hey, how could anyone, Hey, and well, and I want to say something to you about you fat people who make fun of other people. <laughs> fat kids used to make fun of me for my nose being big. I used to think but, but I was fat too. I, and, um, but, um, I would be like, you're making, I can't do anything about my nose, but you could do something about being fat. Yeah. I can't but, do shit about being bald, but I never did anything about being fat either. But, um, um, why is being bald? I have to go to the bathroom so bad, but let's touch on this real quick. Why is being bald such an insecurity? It's, um, so like my best friend, Jeff Holman from the second or third grade is bald. <laughs> and like, he's so handsome. Um, my friend Tyson Oldroyd, I used to work with, he's bald. He's so handsome. Why would anyone, th- I don't get what the, um, dude, I don't think like bald dudes get like less jobs, less pussy, I don't think they sleep worse at night. Like the only thing I could think about, but being bald, it's bad is um, this. If you live, if you got to wear a hat to protect yourself from the sun, I wear a hat all the time, but it's not that bad. I th- I just think people, it's another reason to be self-obsessed about why you're not good enough. It's just another reason to be insecure about something. I don't know. Yeah. It's a really weird one. Cause it, it's, um, I mean, your head, you have a very nice head. I got this like dorsal fin. That's why I swim fast. See that? Yeah. It's a very nice head. Yeah. I wonder if I have that thing. <laughs> No, man, you're not. Oh, and this is another reason why I wouldn't want to be bald. You do have to um, – it doesn't look good like with like little patches growing out of it. Oh, it looks fucking terrible. Or the guys who try to hold on to it on the side, just fucking – dude. And so that seems like a lot of work, yeah, like shaving yeah. it. Just get, no. no. I mean not really. I mean girls shave their fucking legs pretty frequently. Yeah, that's fuck that. that that's a lot of work too. Do you use an electric shaver for your dome or, or? – No, three blade. Oh, yeah. That's a lot of work. No, it's good. When he jumps in the pool head first, there is a zero splash. (laughs) Jake is the funniest person I've ever met. I keep telling him to start like a comedy podcast. He's the funniest person in existence. Oh, anyone can be funny. Being funny on demand is hard. Take the challenge, Jake. Probably. Uh, This is where uh, the whole reason I have a podcast so I can pretend to be funny. Okay. Talk to you soon. Thank you, brother. See ya.